everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the Real Deep Cuts podcast. Today, we'll be drinking to forget the disco dud, Roller Town. After that, we'll begin our new three-part game series called Greenlight, where we'll be pitching each other's ideal movies and compete to get the green light. After that, we'll get into some film news and things we watch throughout the week. My name is Raymond. And my name is Jeremy. And my name is Richard. Awesome, awesome. I hope everyone out there listening had a great week. Uh, I personally had a an eventful week. I watch a lot of movies, so that's uh, that's a positive for me, obviously. So how about you guys? Um, pretty cool week myself. Uh, what did I do? I went hiking on the weekend, and um, on Friday I actually I went to this pub and I got some hot wings that absolutely destroyed me. And I like <laughs> spice, but these wings brought a grown man to his knees and it was it was serious it's called dancing buffalo is the sauce and (laughs) this had me in tears and it had me instant hiccups and i knew it was serious because um this is a whole thing but like there's there's a wing off coming up or you know our town's annual wing off and you guys actually have that yeah we do i guess apparently and um you know they go around all the different pubs and restaurants and bars or whatever and find the best wings in town and uh this i guess was one of the contenders um there was there was nothing wing special going on that night there was just a show i was there because it was live music but these three people walk in as these two men and a woman and they sit down all together and then one of the like um i think one of the musicians actually is like those three people over there those guys are judges they're wing judges for the annual wing off <laughs> like here. a movie bro yeah dude like they, they're like sitting down like like a scorsese flick like just all like slow-mo it was fucking like really legit like these real serious wing people and um you know they were scouting i guess and i don't know if they tried what i tried but they didn't show it not nearly as much as i did and they didn't feel it the next day oh really not nearly as much as i did that was tough my... stomachs huh tough stomachs i guess so i probably would have been destroyed i mean you guys know i have like such a weak stomach i get it from my pops by the way but... I, I feel mm. bad for making fun of all your weak stomach moments after my weekend. bro you've been with me into uh. into some dark times in public spaces <laughs> i have but i always kind of you know you know that's a little hey, dramatic. You were there for me. Like, you were there for me. That's but I've, ne- I've never related, so no, not, yeah. not at least until this last week. And I've had my first oh, food that's poisoning true. episode, <laughs> and I can't even, without even getting too like gross and dirty. I mean, it's just I'm an all liquids guy now, basically. Like nothing, is, damn, nothing is solid anymore, and it's just <laughs> it's borderline uncontrollable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, but yeah that's that's all i have to say it sounds like that. you have my all this 4d experience you... man i'm that's i'm on thing. day four so yeah hey. i i'm hoping that i come back four day experience four day experience four day tour it is brutal so i don't know i know what all the food poisoning you know talk is about now it is nothing to be taken lightly so basically the helps experience lived on a lot longer than it should have um you, you had another name for it actually 
I didn't want to it? say this, but it was oh, pretty fuck. funny. But it is not only the Elvis curse, but it is now the Austin butthole curse. <laughs> 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 I know that gave Jared a fucking belly laugh. So, <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I'm currently living it out, so I cannot wait to wrap this part of my life up. It is yeah. time to move on from that movie <laughs> and the cinematic diarrhea that it was. <laughs> oh my God, we're still there. Huh? We're still there. Okay, so let's recap. Literally, I watched 12 movies this week, and two of you just had to shit the entire like week that you guys had. That's the stories that you guys had throughout the week. <laughs> it was just yeah, absolute mine was shit, short like, and painful because of the wings <laughs> and. Richard's is a bit more drawn out. Nah, I'm, not, yeah, I'm a shell of <laughs> well, myself. Well, his is a curse. Moment. Yeah. Yeah. That shit yeah. is like This is days. the grossest intro we've ever had. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so we do apologize. I hope nobody's all eating. All of the new listeners that are like just trying to learn about movies are like, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, so, sorry if we scared anyone off. Just being honest, this is what's going on in our lives. Things have gotten yeah. a little shitty. Um, At least we're honest. At least we're honest. So ashamed. You watch twelve yeah. movies, right? That's twelve. That's man. I was in the zone. That's on. Hey. You're on some Jeremy shit right now. No, no dude. Yeah. Like you guys have like. Oh, this podcast has just ignited my my passion for film again. I remember I was just like after film school, I was just like I was pretty passionate about it for about like a couple years, and then the pandemic happened, and then I was just like getting into other stuff, and I don't know. My I got into anime and shit. And that was a big mistake. Like, <laughs> well, not to say like anime is like shit, but I mean, comparing it to film and the passion that I had for it, obviously. Why I do I feel like, like I do, things. but don't remember this? What anime did you get into? That you? Um, I, I finished Cowboy. I was watching. That was not um, a mistake. That was not a mistake, <laughs> obviously. I mean, there's some like great things <laughs> like Tokyo Revengers. <laughs> I was watching Tokyo Revengers, Hunter Hunter. Uh, yeah, I, like I, I can't handful. speak to all those. I'm not saying. They're good or bad because I haven't seen them. Yeah, but. but Cowboy Bebop obviously is no mistake. That's like a masterful, like just in general, like great uh, storytelling. So um, it hits, it hits. Could be a movie. I mean, there is a movie of it. Mm-hmm. So, but I feel uh, like I yeah. do slightly Twelve remember movies. your anime era now. Yeah, yeah. It was it was short lived, but thank God because I'm back in the film, man. I'm back in the film era. Well, we should also say now that we've gotten the shit out of the way. Uh, how you know big of a week this has been for the show this has been a big week Mm -hmm. we finally went live on social media specifically instagram at real deep cuts and we got a lot of support which was cool so thanks for that whoever's listening thank you so much uh, that that's really cool you know definitely means a lot that a lot of you guys have chimed in and said some things you liked about it and you know, have been enjoying the show so far. And we also wanted to say I've have gotten a couple people saying the episodes are too damn long. And uh, <laughs> to that, I say, I mean, look, if you don't want to listen to a couple guys talking about a movie you've never seen before for 30 minutes, I get it. But you know what? We got timestamps in the description so you can jump around to whatever topic you want <laughs> and you basically get five little mini episodes within one episode so you just jump around fold your laundry to us you know clean up your house wash your dishes yeah, you know fuck fall it, asleep to us i don't care we'll lull you to sleep 
We want to be there for you. What you're saying is, fuck what the fans are saying. We're going to do whatever the hell <laughs> we want. That. He said that, not me. Yeah. Uh, can't we're not us. changing, but we do have timestamps. So feel free to jump around. Skip us when we're losing you. Or you can do the we old podcast games. trick, which is just, you know, the point two five, you know, speed. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. You know, oh, adjustment. Yeah, that's that's like the big timestamp, like, or not timestamp, the big podcast uh, hack is... Just speed it along, you know? However, It'd probably be funnier, too. Might, yeah, we might sound like, you know, we're chipmunks or something, but, you know, <laughs> we'll probably get through the episode a lot quicker. So consider it. Hop around. Have fun. There's going to be something for you. Always. We got games. We got a bunch of shit. So anyway, that is that. Mm-hmm. Thank mm-hmm. you guys again for yes, you know, thank you. Thank following you so us, showing all the support. We are very, very grateful. And one more thing, speaking of games, we do have the first of our three-part game series, our biggest game yet, called Greenlight, um, where essentially we'll be throwing out movie pitch ideas to whoever the producer is that week. In this case, it's Ray. And uh, Rich and I will be competing for the Greenlight, which movie gets to be made, hypothetically. Tune in. So, Yeah, stay tuned for that. It's going to be a blast. Oh, it's going to be great because I'm pretty harsh in films anyway. So, and I'm pretty, I'm going to be niche taste. I think I'm a little intimidated. I know I feel, (laughs) I feel, you know, Jared's going to really knock it out of the park here where, you know, I did my best, but I know for a fact, this guy, Jared's seriously written movie pitches before. So, right. Right. So I'm up against some competition. I don't know. I'm the underdog here. So if you, if you green light me and you're not even Ray, I really appreciate you. So (laughs) (laughs) I'll just say, honestly, um, the reason I haven't been spamming the soundboard yet is because I'm trying to stay on Ray's good side. Just, you know, that's part of the strategy here. Oh, this is all right. Well, I'm picking rich now. I'm just kidding. kidding. It has to be a fair game. Go ahead with the soundboards, man. We got to keep it going and it's going to be a fair game. It's going to be a fair game. All right, guys. That'll do it for this week. All right, I, I, I take that back. Never mind. That was not necessary. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, uh, move on. All right. All right. So let's get into our deep cut of the week. We watched Roller Town this week. Uh, came out in 2011. Directed by Andrew Bush. Tagline is: Disco didn't die. It was murdered. Really quick one sentence synopsis. Roller skaters fight back against the video game gangsters trying to take over their town. And there is only 308 views on Letterboxd. And the crew is basically just a bunch of, I don't even know if I could say B-list actors. And that's not, like, it's no disrespect. It's literally just, yeah, (laughs) it's like maybe a C or D, C minus list actors. But it's just, yeah, um, 2011. Well, it's a comedy troupe, right? It's this Canadian yeah, comedy yeah, troupe. Yeah. They're sort of like a, the, a Lonely Island, you know, whitest guys you know type of group. That's <laughs> that's literally like the Canadian version of that. So, but yeah, so that's what that's what they are. Just imagine a whitest kids you know or whitest guy, whatever the hell. And that's what this is. That's the movie. They are Picnic Face, is. I believe. That's that was their name, right? Picnic Face. Yeah. Yes. Um, never. Never heard of them until this movie. I think they have it. They have a, you know shown up pretty early 
when you start. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, should we get into our initial thoughts? What'd you guys think? Yeah. Well, you guys, I heard you guys since... loved it. <laughs> really? Well, I guess I'll start my, one of my friends, I'm not going to name drop him, Zach, but he recommended. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually reached out to him yet because I'm just going to be like, dude, hold on. You have to, because he, he didn't necessarily told, like, tell me that, you know, he likes this movie or not. He just recommended it. it was, you know, I told him, you know, hey, we got this podcast we're doing. We kind of do lesser known films. Uh, and he was, you know, he was naming off a lot of the deep cuts that we'd already watched. You know, he'd seen some of the ones that we'd already, you know, checked out. So, uh, he immediately, right after, you know, talking about it, he immediately said, check out roller town. So I don't even know what his actual take on this movie is, but Mm. you know, I kept it in mind. I added it to the watch list just, you know, to throw out there for, you know, whenever our next, you know, conversation goes on when we're talking about the next deep cut. So, so yeah, that's basically how this happened. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, to be honest, my initial thoughts, my initial, even st- starting out watching this, I kind of knew I wasn't going to like, th- I knew this movie wasn't for me. Like, I don't want to say I wasn't going to like it, but I knew this movie just, you know, wasn't up my alley. I guess I could see the humor that it was, that I was reaching for. And I just, that's not my kind of humor. Not at least not anymore. Maybe it was, but it has this very awkward tone almost. And it's borderline kind of cringy and sometimes that works but this time i just i didn't feel any of it hitting there was very few moments and if yeah probably less i want to say there was a couple two to three at the most like that i actually laughed and one of those you know three gave me a really good laugh but there's a lot of stuff in between (laughs) all that um, that just did not work for me. And I know this is a short one, but this was a long watch in yeah. comparison. Oh in, yeah. In contrast. Sorry. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you guys. Jared, go first, man. Um, yeah, kind of very similar. Like from the very opening shot, I was like, I know exactly what this is. Oh man. And, mm-hmm. but I will tell you the truth. It kind of won me over for the first maybe 10, 15 minutes. I was like, okay, I don't (laughs) like how this looks. I don't like how it looks because it looks and feels, you know, like a funnier die skit, but just Mm -hmm. in movie form, like a continuous reel of skits. Um, You know, a little bit of widest guys, you know, a little bit of um, hot rod. And I can see that this has, from what I've looked up online, kind of sort of has like a wet, hot American summer type cult, following or at least it's trying to go for that um i just don't think it's going to happen with this movie particularly but Mm -hmm. that's what it kind of wants to be i feel like and there were some okayish jokes i got a few chuckles Uh, i wasn't sure i was like i because i know you guys had kind of given me some sense of what you thought of the movie without Mm -hmm. saying much and i was like i think these guys are being too harsh on it and i did have (laughs) a couple moments of like genuine laughs but the thing is it's just constant swings and that means a lot of misses um mostly misses um but since it's constantly swinging there are some hits i guess something has to land you know so there yeah. Are times. yeah exactly but overall it's hard to get over this like 2010 youtube movie feel that it has yeah. and mm-hmm. i was just 
not a fan of that. Um, but yeah, just it's not really my for me either. But I think I liked it more than you guys. But we'll get into. I, I, I agree with what difference. you're saying for the first. Again, that's not <laughs> even saying a lot. Not liking the it. first ten minutes, I liked. You know, that's. I don't even know if that's necessarily well, no, cause a compliment. Because I, I had moments. No, I had moments like in the. Tw- you know, I got to twenty minutes and I was like, "Oh, this is actually kind of funny." And then I immediately I realized I was like zoning out, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I've been bored for the last ten minutes." Okay. So I was on. I was trying. I was like kind of trying to appreciate it more because uh you know everybody was i feel bad shitting on it because everybody who the very few out of the 308 people who logged it have kind of somewhat liked it you know a lot of threes three and a halfs you know and i was not feeling that at any point but i was you know that was just a I was trying to bargain logging. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. I don't know, but it does seem like this does have like a very enthusiastic following, which could be why Zach recommended it. And no disrespect to Zach, is if this is you know if this speaks to you, then by all means, that's cool because this actually feels when we talk about the deep cuts that we're going for, this is absolutely the definition of like a bargain bin or a goodwill mm-hmm. find. Yeah, this is something yeah. you'd find in Goodwill. You'd just be like, what the fuck is this? And, you know, came out in 2011, never heard of it. All right, like, let's pop this in, see what it is. And had we had that specific experience, we might have been a little bit more like, hey, this is actually better than it should be. I wonder where they got their original following from or if this is it. So, um, I mean, it's pretty like I I tried Googling it and came up on IMDb, but it did not come up on Wikipedia. So it's a pretty, yeah, I guess. Not know. Well, yeah. What did you think, Ray? What, how were um, you feeling about you it? You guys just basically hit everything on the head again. Like I just felt like the te- first 10, 15 minutes was I was okay with it, and I was like, you know what, I have to give this a chance. And I don't know. It felt like the the humor wasn't necessarily all the way the same with the first 10, 15 minutes. I kind of expected something else, but it really did feel like a YouTube special. I felt like I was watching Smosh or something. Yeah. I felt this movie could have just been skits. Like it could have just been skits rather than an entire film, or maybe they could have just uploaded it more adult than Smosh at some points. But yeah, I know. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. But I mean the feel of it and like the, the production, I guess, and how it looks. (laughs) There's just, and there's definitely moments in this film that are just like, like for me are corny those are i don't know there's those overly stupid like moments where it's just it's so dumb it's supposed to be funny and i'm open to that and it wasn't yeah it just didn't 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 land for me um Mm -hmm. the green uh, screen bits were just terrible every time yeah like the music transitions yeah, that pissed anything me off. involving the green screen with the psychedelic background, like the disco. Yeah, that's yeah. the, the little scene, music dance transitions or whatever were very awful. They would sometimes go into full songs, and it was just like, oh boy, yeah. checking those out. Pissed me off. out more than anything. I was like, they weren't really just like, like those like quick seventies transitions where it's just like mm-hmm. bam, 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 and you know, next scene. Yeah, um, that really brought it down for me. I feel like a lot of that's still just too much of it. Just yeah. kept killing my whatever slight enjoyment I had. Um, and the jokes, <laughs> you're right. They not. do feel this feels very 2010s, like YouTube humor. Um, so maybe for that reason, if you are nostalgic for that, this might hit for you. But I didn't really yeah. find it 
all that entertaining. Some some bits were fine. Some bits were were kind of clever, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. Sometimes clever humor can get tiring. It's, uh, I don't know what was clever. Like I'm, I just know that there's some of those. I, I'm not sure what it reminds me of. It feels like a lot, that main actor. Um, I don't know. I feel like he was very inspired by Andy Samberg. Um, I, yeah, I know sure. I yeah. saw you guys mention a hot, you know, hot rod on your reviews. And yeah. That's, that's definitely the sense I got. I didn't think hot rod, but I just thought, man, this guy really must like Andy Samberg because I'm getting well, big... hot rod is so much better. <laughs> it feels and like an actual movie. Yeah. As dumb as it is. That's probably, you know, the perfect, you know, way to describe the humor that I think this movie was going for and, mm-hmm. you know, to see where it does land in hot rod and where it doesn't and roller town yeah. so yeah like, you know there's, there's hot rod basically yeah, yeah just go skating yeah there's the there's just like the exchange where it's like why don't you make like a banana and split and he's like i will make like a banana and be a good source of potassium and it's like you know that they were i don't know if they were expecting like big punchline there or something <laughs> But it yeah, just I really wish you didn't me. mention like, that. I'm not I kidding. Really a lot of this stuff hit me that. hard in the sense where I was just like, "Fuck!" Like they do continue that joke. It goes. They do, and it's so yeah. that your doctor can recommend me for you, so you can oh eat me God. or something like that. No, there was one line I will defend because I did find it pretty funny. Which and one? I'll take all the shit if you guys don't think it's funny. No, go ahead. But what? it's when the it's when the bully guy is like making fun of him for being an orphan making fun of the main character for being an orphan. And uh-huh. he's like, how does it feel to outlive your parents? And he's oh. like, um, I mean, that's pretty standard, I guess. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. Come on. I might, funny, I might yeah. have been soured by a couple more. Uh, yeah. I don't die long before that, but um, there was the, the, the hardest laugh this movie gave me, and I'm just going to outright say it. I guess we're just spoiling it. But um. There's it's it's with the uh, the crime boss or, you know, uh-huh. the, the the video game mobster boss. He basically says, like, show show. He talks oh, one of yeah. his henchmen. He says, show him what happens <laughs> to people who don't listen to us or whatever. And the guy just the henchman just takes his gun and kills himself. <laughs> shoots yeah. himself in the mouth. Oh, yeah. I don't know why I love that part. That part yeah, actually that made me start that really laughing. Funny. Yeah. So yeah, see, that I did not expect the first that. 30 yeah. minutes. That, 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 that was, that was still, still early. Yeah. But so that's why I was, you know, I was kind of at that point, I was like, okay, maybe there's a lot more of that stuff that will surprise me. Unfortunately, they did try to rehash that same joke and it's just like, fuck. Like, yeah, they did. They try to keep it going and it's just, you know, it doesn't work like that. So mm-hmm. the um, movie, I was honestly, yeah, like I was about halfway when I was like, Okay, the movie's not good. I don't even really <laughs> like it, but it's not that bad. You know, it's I don't hate it. It's like fine. And really? Based, based on what you guys were saying. But then, <laughs> then I had realized that in the last like third of the film, I was just like, oh, this is still going. Mm, this is still yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's only what an hour and twelve minutes. Yeah, yeah, this is a movie I did check. You know, I checked the <laughs> oh I checked the God. you know the runtime bar, and I was like, "Fuck, you know, fifteen that more minutes." Got me fucked yeah. up, man. Uh, yeah, that was what? the longest, shortest movie. Like, it's and yeah. I didn't hate it, but damn, that last third or so is like a fucking slog. It dragged, bro. Yeah. It was so like. I don't know. And like, I, I wouldn't say like, 
this offended me. I'm not going to lie. Like, this, <laughs> it offended me. Like, I just felt like, I'm not going to say, oh, no, I did feel like it wasted my time. I'm not going to, you know, beat around the bush, but it didn't offend me as much as Atlantic Rim. There is some kind of effort in this film. Yes. And they know what they're trying to do. So it's not like they're, you know, just like bullshitting their way through. Mm-hmm. There's people in a target audience that they can actually capture with this mm-hmm. movie. Atlantic Rim has absolutely no effort. It is absolute garbage. Nothing made sense. And that was actually a complete waste of time. And if I could have put a zero star on that on Letterboxd, I would have. Mm-hmm. So, but this one, it has, you know, it's it's YouTube charm. What did you end up giving it? This? No, Pacific Rim. Oh, Atlantic Rim? <laughs> or, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Pacific Rim. <laughs> Atlantic Rim, I gave half a star. Yeah, you can't even like, go down to like... No. You're... You won't even go down from there. You so oh, you will give it a half you know star, what? but you won't write point twenty five. You're right. I, no, you that's could my just mind. give it your first point two five. <laughs> yeah, you, you you're actually right. Like it should have. I should. That slipped my mind. I didn't think of it that way, but like it's actually like actually no, man. What is half a star? Out I don't of know 10? if Atlantic like Rim. half a star out of five transition into. That's like a one star, right? Yeah, that's a one star out of mm-hmm. 10. Yeah, I probably would have gave it like a 0.25. It, it wouldn't even like be considered <laughs> a one star film out of 10. Like that movie is a sack of shit. Like yeah. it's honestly harsh, that movie, the concept around that movie is so much funnier than actually watching it. Like the name yeah, itself, exactly. the idea that it's a Pacific Rim like knockoff and it's a piece of sh- you know, it's that if the stuff effort was made, it could have been better. But yeah, no, it's not good. It's not that fun at all. It's actually um, torture. I think it is. <clears throat> That's just me. But yeah, I will say Quick. I believe these actors in Roller Town. I guess it's hard to compare in the sense, you know, of performance. This is more of like a comedy. But yeah, I felt more care and love from these actors and actual wanting yeah, to be yeah. there than those guys in Atlantic Rim. Those guys in I'd Atlantic Rim were just cashing in whatever fucking you know hundred dollar check they were getting for the week of shooting i don't know hundred dollar check <laughs> so yeah this this movie was Respect. it was hard to I don't, yeah i don't know again i always feel bad sometimes i just never want to be yeah, too harsh but, i don't want to be yeah negative but at the same time this movie you know there was effort made and this there's there is an audience for this movie it's just mm-hmm. not for me it's clearly not for you guys either, but like there is definitely I see people enjoying this. This humor is subjective and this kind of sticks to a very, you know, specific type of humor that I find a little bit of its era, which is, you know, 2010s and Internet mm-hmm. humor kind of during that during those years. And, you know, it might it might spark up some nostalgia. If you were, I got a couple to... good moments out of it. Yeah, sure. There and... and there's genuinely stuff that has aged well, like that or that is good. Like I, I, I enjoyed some of the some of the bits in there. <laughs> Just overall, it's very outweighed by what doesn't work. Yeah, I did kind of actually enjoy the part. Now that I'm thinking about it again, I did enjoy the part where they took his skates off, and you know, it was oh, yeah. basically oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like ripping off, you know. It's basically like cutting off legs yeah like cutting off legs because you know he's just squealing at that point when i was like jesus you know (laughs) he has not taken his skates off since the beginning of the films Mm -hmm. (laughs) that is true yeah uh that's probably what would happen to roller girl in boogie nights we never see her without her skates off yeah it's Mm -hmm. true so Mm -hmm. 
Um, um, but yeah, that's uh, all I have to say about the movie, really. Yeah, it's a quick, you know, if you really want to know, just give it give it the 70 minutes of your time. Um, yeah. Check it out. But, or don't. Or don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, or don't. Or don't. You mm-hmm. can check out some of our other deep cuts we've recommended, but... Yeah. <laughs> this one... Um, this yeah, one's not at the three. bottom, but it's close. I mean, it's we only one. have eight deep mm-hmm. cuts, so our list isn't yeah. too deep <laughs> itself. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think my official rating for this is probably a, a two, two out of five. I'll give it that. I, I did get some, you know, it gave me a good belly laugh. I will not lie. So yeah, my rating is also a two. Could have been a two point five. I was really trying to justify two point five, but it just wasn't there Mm. i gave it half of those so i gave it a one um and it offended me that's not even fair that's not even a one that's not even a change back up (laughs) those pennies up sir (laughs) it it was uh it offended me i'm not gonna lie and i would not recommend it you're you're not having a great time with this movie no Oh, I, I watched like twelve, like eleven other movies throughout this weekend. All of them were pretty damn good. Like I would say, like none of them were like bad or close to. F- you know, there was one that was like fair, but I mean, other than that, all of them were pretty great. So, I guess it wasn't fair for me to put this um, deep cut <laughs> in the long list of movies that I watched this week. So, well, I'll tell you what, just bad timing. Somebody, bad timing, somebody had to watch this movie, and if it had to be us, then so be it. Yeah, this is what we're here for. That's what we do. Yeah, that's what this we definitely do. was a goodwill dig up. We took a shot. We took a chance on faith. All right. Yeah. All right. It is what it well, is. Well, we'll close that. <laughs> close our. You know that that door to Roller Town. We'll plow ahead. All right. Well, that's it for Roller Town. Let's move on to the game. Go ahead, Jer. Take it away. Yeah. So today we're going to be doing our first round of three of our new game called Greenlight. And uh, this is a game designed to test just how well we all know each other. So two of us will be pitching our own unique movie concept that has been specifically tailored to the tastes of the producer. For example, this week, Raymond will be sitting in the producer's chair. Rich and I will pitch the details of our film concepts and compete for Raymond's hypothetical love affection and millions where he will decide which movie to green light so are we ready ray are you ready to sit in the producer's chair <laughs> i'm excited yes i am all right all righty who's going first i think i'll go first because i'm gonna <laughs> save what i already know i know jerry's got something crazy lined up for us uh, so we'll see. Um, all right. So you're going to go first. Okay. Your elevator pitch. Okay. Go ahead. Okay. Two minutes. Hurry up. No, no, I'm just kidding. Sweet, sweet baby Ray. Listen up. All right. So yes. I got this stacked cast. I'm going to get to them. But the plot basically is, you know, this is Tarantino's 10th film. There's already going to be a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of, uh, what do we call it? Marketing for this going on. People are going to be mm-hmm. lining up for seats. They don't even know what they're going to be watching, but they know it's going to be good. So, Tarantino's yeah. last ride in the director's chair. This is the big one. It's another rewriting of a history from the genius himself. So basically it's the 2009 to the 2010 NBA finals. Okay. Los Angeles mm-hmm. Lakers versus the Boston Celtics. All right. 
Boston Mafia are dead set on seeing their city bring home the NBA championship. Okay? All right. Any questions? We're doing good so far. We like this, right? I know you're a basketball fan, right? Give me something. <laughs> so Quentin Tarantino. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> is directing Boston Celtics. Well, okay, okay. Maybe that's a little okay. confusing, but listen up. All right, so after the after the Lakers tie up the seven-game series 3-3, three to three, going into game seven, you know, mm. Boston Mafia are no longer leaving things to chance, buddy, all right? And in a final mm. attempt to fix the series, you know, rig the game, Whitey Bulger, who I'm thinking is, you know, I'm thinking J.K. Simmons might play Whitey Bulger, you know. Okay. So, you okay. know, Winter Hill Gang Mafioso, Massachusetts Mafia leader, you know, puts a hit out on Kobe Bryant to you now stop his run once and for all. You know, the guy's averaging 30 points. Whitey just wants to see him off the court. You know, he's just, he's just not, he's not happy about it. So, you know, mm. basically there's this Boston police detective, Kai Walker, we're calling him. And I'm thinking Steven Yen is going to play him. Good. Wait, 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 wait. What? Kyle Walker. Kai Walker. Kai Walker. Oh. Kai. Kai. We gave him some. <laughs> Steven Yeah. with the white ass name. Kai, it's like K-A-I. It's a cool no, name. No, but the last name. <laughs> the last Well, he's Asian American, so, you know, he's he's got a little bit of both. Okay. So, you know, very Boston. He's the very bridge. Boston. Go ahead. He's the bridge between both. So, yeah. So, basically, he finds out about this underground hit going on. And he's got to mm. warn Kobe. So now it's, you know, it's a scramble to get to L.A. But unfortunately, he's quickly discovered in the process of his own uncoverings. Okay? Okay? It's getting mm-hmm, juicier mm-hmm. and juicier. So now there's two hits put out. One on Kobe and one on him. But, you know, he's thinking about Kobe. He wants to, he wants to warn him and save the game. So basically, with no evidence and no witnesses, he's basically on his own. The police department aren't helping him out. But is he really on his own? So basically on the run, we find out, you know, he's in fear for his life, but he he meets along the way Grandmaster Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you know, karate legend, and, you know, Man of Steel Shaquille O'Neal, a huge throwback to 90s fans, you know, of the big guy himself, and a team up to bring down the Boston crime organization and save the Black Mamba's career and game and basically win, this, win the Lakers the series, all right? We know Quentin's a okay. huge LA fan. So, yes, yes. So, yes. yeah, basically, this is, you know. I got one thing to say. What? <laughs> I think Shaquille O'Neal would want to see Kobe decommission at this point just because he hated Kobe at this point. And he also want, he didn't want to see Kobe win his. You mean timeline wise? Like, was. Timeline wise. Wait, who yes. was Shaquille's team? Who was he on? Maybe we can. In 2010? Yeah. Um, or, no, that's, yeah, 2010. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it might have been Cleveland or Phoenix, but he wasn't on the Celtics yet. I know that for sure. Okay. But uh, all right, well, yeah, he didn't want Kobe to win his fourth ring or all. his fifth ring. <laughs> all right, so, so his fifth ring. A little bit of research that you know, maybe we can, you know, we could, you know, Hollywood <laughs> Man Sweden. of Steel still in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could, you know, Hollywood drama this baby up a little bit. You never know. We can okay. suspend some um, belief. I'm open um, to it. I'm open to but it. But I got, you know, I got a, you know, I got a couple people signed on already. I got Glenn Powell yep. as a hitman. I know you're a big Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell. Yeah. Okay. And then, I like him. Who else? I think I got, you know, I got Tom Hanks as Phil Jackson. And you know, there's wow. that that guy's gonna be bringing in the most eyes. And then as the Bean himself, as Kobe Bryant himself, I'm thinking Mahershala uh-huh. Ali or Michael B. Jordan. I'm thinking Michael B. Jordan. He's got the young. The young he side, does. but you know, we could de-age the hell out of too. all these guys if we really mm-hmm. want to. We could, 
see whoever they got for the Irishman and, you know, put them on payroll. But basically, <laughs> this is this is this is a blockbuster and, you know, a rewriting a history waiting to happen. And this, this is, is going to be a huge film for all of Southern California, um, yeah. specifically the city of L.A. Um, we're thinking of having the premiere, obviously, you know, in the Westwood theaters. So it's it's going to be big. It's going to be yeah, really, be really, lovely. really big. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, okay. I don't know. There's, and there's going to be a lot of NBA love. You know, there's a big following there. There's just, this is going to appeal to a lot of audiences. All right. All right. Think about it. It's going to appeal to, you know, old NBA fans going back to, you know, Kareem's era coming up on, you know, Shaquille's era and, you know, Kobe's era. So again, I don't know if Shaquille's going to be in there anymore. I know you have some, you know, some hissy hesitation to that, to that, but you know, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, think about it. Think about it, Bubba. <laughs> now let me ask you this: <laughs> Did Quentin sign off on this yet? Or he not? wrote it. You know, that's the crazy thing. He wrote he it. Co-wrote it. He wrote this he fucking movie. It. Well, I just reject your. <laughs> <laughs> so his tenth film. <laughs> Okay, I mean, no, it's believable. And the title, he's a, he's a, Quentin he's a big came LA up with dude. this title himself. It's okay. called Mamba Mamba Immortality. All right. Oh, okay. yes, okay. and it's Paying basically it's Paying basically the Mamba lives right. on. Okay, Warner hey, Brothers is like going to be the studio, and mm. you know it's going to mm. be it's going to be a sports drama action, and we already got Marky Mark co-producing. He heard Boston, and you know he signed the check. They didn't put him put out much, but. You know, he's ready to give however much it takes, you know, to uh, to get this movie made. So now this motherfucker is not going to change the game seven ending, right? No, no. He he has, you know, the okay. utmost respect for, for so the Lakers. So he still gets five rings. And no, he doesn't. Yeah. That dude's totally a douche. Is no, he? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. No, maybe guys, sure maybe the guy's already fan, making though. script edits, but I'll get on that sleazy motherfucker yeah, if yeah. I ever see it. We right. gotta make sure Kobe wins his fifth ring. That's all that matters. So yeah, I thought it was, and you know, that's that's Kobe's MVP year, which I'm sure it wasn't his only one, but I know that year he was MVP. So <laughs> he was an MVP that year. Was he not? I'm. I'm it was oh nine. I'm pretty sure it was oh nine. Oh eight to oh nine. That's when he won the MVP. Well, we'll throw it in that movie anyways. Nobody will really, you know, only the nerds that's... will do the homework. Like I'm pretty sure he was Finals MVP though. Oh well, there's, there you go. He's a Finals MVP. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh no, I'm an idiot. It was 2008. It was the year before he won his fourth ring. So it was two years before. So it was that, his third ring. Win finals. No, uh, it was well. His third ring was in 2003. 2008 was when he won his um, uh, or no, was it 2002 that he won his third ring? Yeah, it was 2002 when he won his uh third ring 2008 when he won his mvp but 2009 and 10 he won two championships back well maybe we could spin a narrative that like kind of hints like you know whoever they gave the mvp you know award to that year it should have been kobe i mean it should have been yeah. <laughs> just just give it to him. yeah they were just giving out participate uh, participation trophies at that point so uh anyway okay, right, ray right. bubby think about it mm-hmm. it could be a big one <laughs> That's all, all right, I got. All That's right. my pitch. Mamba immortality, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Mamba immortality. <laughs> this just reminds me of Uncut Gems, but you know what? I did like <laughs> Uncut Gems, so I'll give you brownie points for that. Okay. I'll give I'll you take brownie it. points. All right. All right. As uh, someone who doesn't follow sports. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jerry.
<laughs> Looks like you're up for Batman. All right. Well, why don't you get comfortable in your chair, Ray? Yeah. All right. Empty your mind. Really, why don't you really <laughs> I am like, gonna empty my relax mind. and just take this one in. All right. <laughs> the name of the film is called Lovers of Tomorrow. <laughs> It's directed by Bong Joon-ho, written by Sean Baker, wow, starring really Stephen Yun and Florence Pugh. The oh. sappiest place okay. on earth. Okay? Mm-hmm. A lone Asian-American immigrant pickpocketer who makes his living off of lifting from unsuspecting Disneyland tourists discovers that he... <laughs> is not alone another thief a beautiful young woman professionally Mm. steals wallets magic bands and jewelry and eventually his heart knowing how to break into every dial in the disneyland locker rooms her love (laughs) is the one code he can't seem to crack one day she finally agrees to team up with him for a heist and steal straight from the magic castle itself they hide out in tomorrowland until after hours, but soon realize they're trapped inside the park after all the gates have closed. They spend the entire night together and a time for reflection, revelation, and romantic starlit night rides on the Mark Twain riverboat ensue. But the question is, will she still love him tomorrow? <laughs> For context out there, for anyone listening, I have this like running joke with like a select few of friends that I always say. I mean, obviously, Kobe, of course, too, is like someone that I look up to. I love him and literally have him tattooed on my body. He's like my idol. But there's a movie title that I've always said called Lovers of Tomorrow that I'm going to make one day. But that literally could have been the movie that I made. But I'm not going to give it to Jeremy just yet. I do have a few questions. What the hell? I want to know who's directing this fucking film again. Can you repeat that? Bong Joon-ho. Okay, and it's all going to be in English. So Sean Baker's writing it. Yes. Mm, That's pretty good. That's pretty good. I want to know Steven Yen's character. Give me a little bit about that. Give me a little bit about that. So he actually, he's an Asian American. He's just trying to make it by you know he was done with the whole scamming things he thinks there's money to be made and the magic castle so you know he gets himself a magic band he saves up for that so he can attend as much as he wants all year but what he's doing is just finding clever ways to uh profit off of unsuspecting tourists let's just say that Mm. and uh that he doesn't speak very much English because he's an uh, Asian American immigrant. So there are subtitles for a I lot like of that. Okay. his dialogue, but he's mostly mute. And that's one of the barriers between him and Florence Pugh's character, uh, who was also a professional Disneyland thief. <laughs> <laughs> what? But the language that? that they know is thieving and love. Okay. This guy's, and- this guy's trying to poach my lead actor over here. <laughs> Yes, I did I not see that coming. We both thought That's about a double that. Steven. <laughs> double Steven. Steven this could be a double feature. This could be a double feature. We can end the night with Lovers of Tomorrow. 
it depends on the budget of each film, of course. And uh, you do have one problem, though. They don't have magic bands just yet at Disneyland. Either we move the filming to Walt Disney World, which could cost more, or change the magic band altogether. There I don't know problem. what the fuck you're Looks like I'm about. not the only one who didn't do their research. I got both of you, man. I got both okay. of you. Okay. Maybe they're maybe... talking about at all. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, it doesn't have to be magic bands. It could be whatever okay, pass, yeah. the pass looks like. I don't know. I'm just thinking. All Something right. that that Florence Pugh steals yeah. this Disneyland related. I don't know. Maybe she steals the fucking lightsabers or something. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's massive. <laughs> How are they gonna get away with stealing like She's two lightsabers at the very least? How are you gonna lazy second pitch that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. What about Florence Pugh's character? What's her motive? What's she going on? I mean, what's going on with her life? Florence Pugh, she belongs to a collective of thieves, and this mm-hmm. is her territory. She feels a little bit encroached by this guy. But, you know, she sees he's very talented, and she yeah. kind of likes... She's trying to break off from her little, you know, entourage she's got, and she wants to kind of do her own thing, but she sees value in working with this man. He knows how to, uh, you know, uh, he knows how to hack into the security cameras because he's also a hacker. Uh, he's also a, uh, he used to be a programmer, well, kind of like you, Rick. Um, okay. Holy enough. So he's good at hacking into the security cameras and stuff like that, you know. So that's where he comes in as a powerful asset. Okay, okay, okay. So through their thieving, they do find love in the Mark Twain boats. Yes, at night. It's just... all at night. It's all oh, their, their first night because that's the question. Will they love tomorrow? <laughs> Stop saying. <laughs> Right. He's got you, right? He's, just... He's got me. Yeah. He's got me with that fucking lion, man. But uh, all right, all right. Bong Juno or Quentin Tarantino, these are two respectful individuals. Any other co-producers other um, than me? Co-produced? Well, I would say Bong Juno is a co-producer. Okay. This is his okay. first A24 film. A24, huh? That sucks because I've been going to Neon lately. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, all right. I mean, I still respect A24, but, you know, for anyone that watched my, I mean, that listened to our last podcast, Marcel definitely was not my favorite, and that was by A24, mm-hmm. sadly enough. Sadly enough, there is uh, even balance right now. I do love Kobe, I do love Quentin, and I do love Steven. For both of these parts, let me add. And if I had the chance, this would be a double feature grindhouse. <laughs> if we had the budget for it, of course, you know. And we got we to gotta move some things around. But, you know, grindhouse, double feature, planet terror. Death, You're never going to be able to make both shit. of these. He's trying to steal my lead actor. You can't have both. <laughs> Steven's not going to go for it, all right? <laughs> How do you know? Did he sign up? Guy's agent this? on the phone right now, Bubby, all right? <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> I wonder, who will Thanks. Steven sign off with? Who will Steven <laughs> sign off with? You know, he's already what? worked Actually, with A24. He's already worked with A24. I was about to say that. 
but I'm not big on A24 anymore. They just made Men, which was, I heard, a big piece of shit. Marcel, like a real which producer. was. <laughs> What's your favorite movie that just came out this year, though? What's your favorite movie oh, that came right. out this year? Oh, you're right. This guy. Everything you guys are everywhere. both persuading me. Think about it, Ray. What's a movie? What? Think about this. What movie are you going to have on repeat while you're coding? And what are you going to have in the background that's just going to comfort you? You know, this are you going to look over to the true. screen? Do you want to look over to the screen? And do you want to see well, Tom Hanks as Phil Jackson? Or do you want to see? <laughs> okay, maybe you're right. You just fucked up on the Tom Hanks part, Rich. If I could make a double feature, I would have done it. But I think Lovers of Tomorrow the, takes it away. The studio. <laughs> oh. No. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Lovers of Tomorrow coming. I'm not going to lie. You got me. Summer 2024. <laughs> you said, but will they love <laughs> tomorrow? <laughs> that got me. That got Even me. that one got me. I was like, damn, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> <laughs> Wow. On the Mark Twain boats, though, oh my god! To think Ooh. about it, just think about it. You if, know, if you if you told him it was in the haunted mansion, like you know, love seats, <laughs> you probably would have had oh, a better yeah. chance. Yeah, there that could one, be a yeah, scene. There's totally a lot of different scenes that's possible here. You know, yeah, whatever scenes you true. want. Yeah, the Mark Twain is good too, though. The Mark Twain's good too. So that oh, that is pretty. Who doesn't want to kiss say. under the starry night on a Mark Twain? Yeah, exactly. River boat ride on the river boats. Come on, man! It's a perfect date mm-hmm. with Florence Pugh, though. Okay, okay, you know. Oh yeah. The Asian brother succeeds in love. I can dig that. Lovers of tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually that was really funny. Actually, to hear yeah, was, to hear what was, we both kind of you know we both think you'll, you'll, you'll it was like. both great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm <laughs> Surprised they, they both, were, both were so really different. They were both very different. Like yeah, but they they were very so like, you. still me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, both were very still me. So I I like both of them. But yeah, it was really good. It was really good. That was fun, man. That was fun. Congrats to both of you. But I gotta give it to Jer on this one. The lovers of tomorrow. Sorry, Rich. When I yeah, I will take it. I will also green light that because that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, make sure if you enjoyed that. Stay tuned for next week's episode where we will have Rich in the producer's chair for his birthday. Motherfuckers. Hey. Uh, celebrating his birthday <laughs> and he gets to sit in the producer's chair. I'm turning 127. Damn. Um, <laughs> hope it's not your last one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, Rich yeah. gets to pitch a great film for honestly, his birthday gift. Honestly, I am I'm a little I'm a little excited but also worried cuz this kind of feels not judgmental, but it's also kind of like how well do you know your buddy? You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think we both did a good job. I mean, you knew the yeah, Lakers shit. Yeah, that was both really good. I can't I can't talk about the Lakers shit for to save my life. Like, I mean, I can't really. Actually... I had to actually look all this up. I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is working out." <laughs> all right, with that game ending, we're going to be moving into news now. We have a couple articles this week that we wanted to talk about. First and foremost, Sony boss says studio deserves some credit for Top Gun Maverick. Box office Venom paved the way. How do you guys feel about that? <laughs> if there was ever a time to use Rawr. That's what it is. Exactly. Right exactly. That's, that's a major. Right. <laughs> Cuz I don't know. I mean, again, like I said, Venom 
two probably did pave the way for all other movies by basically just setting the bar <laughs> on the fucking floor. <laughs> and I was just saying, you guys don't have to be as bad as this. You guys can be better. <laughs> so, I just don't understand that's what such the rationality. Bold, yeah, what's exactly. the actual argument? Like, is there even an, any sort of like proof or evidence of this like argument? Like to say that Venom 2's success is is responsible for the success of Top Gun Maverick. Like, what is the correlation? I have no clue. And and aren't they like two different like uh, studios too? Isn't Universal with Top Gun and then Sony is just Sony, right? So the thing that it just doesn't make sense because Venom is a sequel that came out. It's just a regular sequel, like we've seen a million. Is that what they're trying to speak to? Like sequels on sequels? Like I I really don't know. I don't. I'm. I don't know what the angle is. Is do they elaborate? What the angle is, Ray? Well, there is a little bit of a snippet here in the bottom. It says, there's so much press about Top Gun right now. It's like the movie business is back, Panich said. In a weird way, I would say Top Gun is benefiting from us taking our shot. Venom is the start of that story that allows Top Gun to do the kind of business it did. These things don't happen overnight. It's a seed. <laughs> I don't know no, what the hell that means. What the fuck you're talking? About. <laughs> I don't know what the hell that means, man. Because there's so many other films that have come out in the movie theaters, and uh, like, why is Sony like? Well, that and on, like, and Venom sequel came out. Yeah, I, don't, I guess a couple years after Venom, maybe more. But mm-hmm. again, you're talking about a movie like Top Gun that was made. Venom Two wasn't even that successful. It wasn't like the rave of. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't take over. It didn't get everybody talking. It was just people found out pretty quick that this movie sucks. Like it's not that good. I honestly, to me, it's it just sounds like Sony, which is notorious for sucking ass when it comes to the movies that they've been putting out on the comic book side and just in general, like the franchises they're trying to push, like Uncharted or um, Morbius. You know, all of that stuff. This it sounds like it's it's just PR talk, like. They're just going to pretend like the reality isn't what it is and that they're performing bad and their movies are bad, but that they're just going to be like, yeah. And you know what? Uh, This movie right here that's super successful and great, that's our doing. We're responsible for that. It's just the most (laughs) insane statement to make, like just to go to clearly be the kind of the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, it's like, what do you want to hear? Like, thank you. Or I don't know what they're expecting. Like, do they want like Tom Cruise to send him a cake or something? Well, I also got this snippet here. It says, when we first started releasing movies last October, there were really no other big movies. Greenstein said, everyone had pushed their big movies to this year, to this summer. We took a big gamble putting Venom in theaters. Then we doubled down with Ghostbusters. <laughs> I couldn't even <laughs> keep a straight face. Yeah, the, the, they're just okay, putting so out that's... bad movies. In, <laughs> at, at, but the risk that they're taking is that they're doing it theaters only. I get that. But like your movies didn't perform that well. I mean, they really didn't. They did they make really money because of their franchise sequels. Well, but yeah, they don't have anywhere near the success of Maverick and Maverick is, I feel like in a league of its own and, it and, really Cru- and Cruz has always wanted that to be a theatrical release no matter what. That's and true. if you watch mm-hmm. the movie, you can see why it's not about keeping theaters alive or any of that shit. It's literally because that movie is made for the theaters. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know what this fucking Sony. I mean, it's it must be nice to just kind of take credit like that and be like, yeah, and that's us. Or, you know, Tom Cruise owes us a check, I guess. I don't know. Well, but it is odd. I'll be the one to say thank you. And his name is Sanford Panich. Thank you, Sanford, for all that you did. 
paving the way. We appreciate you. <laughs> I didn't even watch Venom or Ghostbusters, so uh, sorry. I watched Top Gun, though. I don't know anybody Thank that you for watched that. Venom, too. But, <laughs> See, Ghostbusters is actually closer to compare to Maverick because it's a legacy sequel. It's right, a legacy yeah. sequel that like it's coming out. It's it's more of a direct sequel to the Ghost but original Ghostbusters movies. And then you had that one that came out with the SNL cast, the women, and then that was horribly done. And then this one is a is like the true legacy sequel where it's bringing back the cast, the original mm-hmm. cast, which mm-hmm. is what Maverick does. But again, like they didn't have the success as as it's not even comparable. I don't, yeah. I don't see the correlation. And this Nobody's making genuinely those comparisons. Great. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. we we didn't think of Venom when we when we saw Top Gun. I mean, Top Gun was really just a great film. And like I I didn't want to say this at first because I thought it was too early in the year, but Rich might be right. This might be the biggest blockbuster movie in the, the entire year. I think it's probably the best one that's come out like Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, no question. So, I think Love and Thunder Thor Love and Thunder was yeah. supposed to be, if it had any sort of com- competition, it was going to be mm-hmm. that. But that is doing absolutely horribly in terms of uh, reception. Good. I mean, it's a Marvel movie, so that shit just prints money. But it's not being very well received, even by people who stand by Marvel. You know, they Marvel can do no wrong. Even they're kind of starting to be like, hmm. I yeah. feel like the writing and the uh, effects are starting to suffer. And meanwhile... Everyone else who's not a diehard Marvel fan's like, yeah, it's, it's kind of been, been yeah. that way. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, but it's great to see that like a lot of MCU people, like some of my buddies, they're they're finally seeing that. Like, yeah, it's not like things are just getting out of hand, and and they really, really are. Like, Disney's just trying to push this narrative and just print money over and over again. It's the same formula; nothing has changed. Things have like digressed even more, and mm. I don't know, like where's the romance in creating these films or like why do we even care about thor or these other characters they're making like films just to make films about these characters <laughs> like every single side character is getting their own movie spin off yeah. show <laughs> it's insane it's a content content sludge you know they're yeah. just like pouring it out churning churning it out and um you lose a lot of the soul you know the good stuff becomes harder and harder to find until maybe there's everything else is not that great yeah uh mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like this is just what's bound to happen though with any sort of corporation monopoly monopoly capitalism this is the inevitability the quality of the product is going to suffer the more that you start treating this like a machine that's got to pump out content and it's it's just turning it into it is soulless and that's the complete opposite of what like superheroes are to like mcu fans or just you know comic book fans like Mm -hmm. these people inspire them these are characters that have depth and they're starting to be to feel very just flat and Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so i mean uh, i don't know um it's it's they're doing the same thing with star wars and if i don't i mean if you guys don't stop me i'm just gonna go on a rant with that so you guys know how that is and well from from what i've heard yeah there's a very big uh dip in quality as far as effects in this one Mm -hmm. and also there's way too much comedy just inserted at every moment especially when things again when Mm -hmm. thing when uh, stakes start to actually get high or there's just a moment of drama. There's just a joke waiting around the corner and people are catching on to that, especially. And 
It's who made this film? It's Taika Waititi. Yeah, isn't and so I feel like the Disney and the MCU took this guy and literally printed his entire, you know. I guess auteur style, quote unquote auteur style, on like almost every MCU thing for the past like five years. Like that's what it feels like. I don't know. I feel that's like just well, me, I though. felt like he definitely has his own voice, but I felt like Thor Ragnarok was a total ripoff of Guardians. Like mm-hmm. yeah. So I feel like it's almost the James Gunn thing that they tried to copy, and then mm, Taika that's true that's emulated true. that. Uh, with his own version, but it was still riding on the coattails of Guardian's success, yeah. no question. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm not a big Taika fan. I don't hate the guy. I've just never got why people love him so much. I don't find him that funny. I don't find his even humor the, uh, to be my cup of tea. Even the Mandalorian episode he directed, you, it just had, it, was it? it was. I believe I it was the one with where Gru or what's his name? Uh Guru. Guru? Grogu. 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 <laughs> Guru. <laughs> the love it's the Guru. one where they he's pretty much kidnapped <laughs> by, by the stormtroopers. Storm yeah. And then yeah, he bright, yeah. bites the stormtroopers. Yeah. Oh, and that episode is this... totally Tyka. Of... And yeah, that, yeah, that was is. my issue. Is like it had to be so apparent that this was this episode yeah. was directed and written by Taika Waititi or something. I don't know. I just <laughs> didn't didn't work for me. It was a fine episode to like the season or whatever, but it was good, yeah. But, but again, like know. at the same time, I'm just I I can already. It's almost like I know who directed this. If you hadn't told me, I would have been like, "What the fuck?" Because it's a big change all of a sudden. Like things don't. The rest of the season isn't really like that. Um, up You're until right, that yeah. point, and again, for some people, not for me, but um, but yeah, it is just so obvious that like who the fuck was this taika waititi like let me look this up and sure enough like there's his name so yeah but i i, I did know i of. did know about it before i saw the episode but i'm just you know i'm just saying like you know i could have so guessed you, you mentioned the special effects suffering in the latest marvel movies and mm-hmm. that's actually a problem because the special effects teams the people that get commissioned to do work for marvel mm-hmm. i've been in an uprising right now just complaining really? about the horrible work conditions the the terrible hours you know and and just the whole it's the whole work environment they are saying like marvel is a horrible client they're horrible to work with yeah. they're sick of it and it shows based on the screenshots some of the, some of the effects i've seen in this new thor movie yeah that's that all, is uh, not laziness or incompetence that is protest that is mm, fucking yeah. that is the visual effects artist way of saying i don't give a fuck anymore this shit sucks. I'm sick yeah. of working like this. That's to me what I see, you know, and people laugh at the effects and they are funny. They're terrible. They're laughably bad. But the behind the curtain is all these visual effects artists are like, they're done. They're, they're sick of it. They need to unionize or something. Out. And the really shitty thing about that is it, the thing, right? They haven't unionized that, uh, that, no. that, that specific, mm. uh, field hasn't yeah. unionized. So exactly. That's and, and that the, sucks the really, a lot because they're probably the really shitty on a thing lot too. So Taika Waititi's come out and he made a joke about the visual effects in <laughs> Love oh and Thunder, God. kind of poking fun at how bad they are a little bit, which obviously pissed everybody <laughs> off because it's like, dude, it's a general consensus. Love and Thunder is a piece of shit, and that's clearly not all just the visual effects team's fault. Like you are responsible for all the other reasons the movie isn't great, like the writing um, or the direction, whatever it may be. 
it's not the visual effects team's fault that the movie isn't great. So, you know, I don't think he was saying it as a defense of why the film isn't doing well, but it was just odd. It just felt tasteless. I mean, maybe he's truly oblivious to the working conditions of the visual effects artist, but it just came off as really eh, just not didn't like it. I was like, dude, you made a stinker and you're going to not even take responsibility. Obviously, you're, you're marketing your movie. You're not going to be like, don't don't watch this shit, guys. It's not that good. Yeah. So if you don't take it seriously, then why did you make this film? Like, why should any of the fans even care if you're poking fun at something like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. That's but that's that. Yep. That is that. Yeah. Well, on the topic of Marvel, we have our second news article of this week, which is. The Netflix buddies, the Russo brothers, declare going to the movie theater an elitist notion. Um, well, yeah, I mean, the Russo brothers, they're com- they're most known for making Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. That's like their biggest success, their biggest jackpot, right? So, yeah. um, so they are the face of Marvel in a big way in terms of directors. And I mean, they, they, they said a lot more than that. That really fucking pissed me off. Honestly, they said, this is their full quote. They said a thing to remember too. It's an elitist notion to be able to go to a theater. It's very fucking expensive. So this idea that was created that we hang on to that the theater is a sacred place is bullshit. And, um, yeah, I mean, they're they're clearly on this train of like streaming is the future, content sludge is the way, and going to the theater is archaic and stupid. Um, obviously, I disagree. I am also not that like, I'm not that romantic about the theater. I, I can understand that sometimes the the experience isn't that great. Like people are assholes. People talk. They're on their phone. They're doing stupid shit and it kind of can kill the movie for me. But overall, generally, I do love going to the theater. There's there is something about seeing on the big screen. I don't really want to like focus too much, though, on like how I feel about theaters personally, because that's pretty much, you know, foregone conclusion that I'm pro theater. And I know you guys are, too. But Mm -hmm. it's more just like the arrogance to come out and say this. Yep. It's weird. You know, they produced everything everywhere all at once, which, dude, that movie was successful because of its theater run. You have to be absolutely out of your mind to deny that. That movie was in theaters for so long, and everybody I knew was going to see it in theaters. That is a way more of a moneymaker. There's a reason they push for that shit. And even this newest movie, Gray Man, that they just put out, I've even seen people say it. You know, ironically, I really like this because... I saw it in the theater. I didn't hear much you know, about that movie yet, but yeah, I didn't hear anything. I've heard middling things. I don't think it's that great from what, well, at least the public opinion. Um, but I have seen a couple people say they liked it because they saw it in theaters. So mm-hmm. it's ironic that, you know, they're shitting on this experience that has clearly enhanced, you know, people's opinion of the movie. I think uh, most movies are enhanced. If you go to see it in the theater, it adds yeah, a big, big you know, yeah. I always mention the theater goggles. It's like, Oh, maybe that movie yeah was only good because I saw it in theaters or maybe I 
maybe not only good, but maybe I loved it more because it was in the theater. But there's nothing wrong with that. Like if you see a movie, even in a, a bad th- theater experience can still be memorable in a good way because you you were retained the film at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, even my like worst experiences haven't ruined the movie for me really. Like Uncut Gems, for example, I remember seeing in theaters. I have a vivid memory of that. But you know, I also remember this guy right next to me at talking volume like this, translating the movie to his girlfriend, translating it from in Spanish. And it was just like, dude, I'm sorry, but like, what the fuck? Like, that's fucking rude. <laughs> you know, like there, I'm, if there's no CC version, closed captions version of the film, yeah. that sucks. <clears throat> I don't know, whatever. It's just, it was completely rude and it fucked, it ruined a lot of the movie for me while I was watching it. And sometimes but, that's the bummer too. It's, it's especially the ones that you look forward to the most where oh yeah, the last thing you're really thinking of is somebody's going to fuck this movie up for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it when you happen. least expect it, yeah, it happens and yeah. it really does. Those ones are probably the most, but I will never like write off a theater, you know, viewing. I still love the damn movie and I still remember the movie and going to the theaters. Every, yeah. I can recall almost not maybe not by lists by heart, but if I think of the movie, I'm like, yeah, I saw that in theaters. I know I kind of, it's an experience. It's an experience that I remember because I was at the theater and even the bad ones, hereditary, another film I loved that really was the best movie for me that year. I believe in 20, one of the best movies, at least 2018. What year was that? Oh, okay. Um, I hadn't seen Mandy yet. That was my favorite that year. I'm pretty sure. But, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> but at the time it was hereditary. Is that my end? Heard you. Jesus, fuck. Stupid. People needing help. Fucking someone's... Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> Someone dying. Yeah, can you die in your own time? Um, let me start. Let me start again. Um, no, but I saw Hereditary, and the experience there was pretty bad. There were kids, like, just laughing at every single, you know, scary thing that happened in the movie. High school Just a bunch were, of t- like, teenagers, like, yeah. Okay, okay. A bunch of high school Makes kids, sense. and it was just like, dude, what the fuck? I'm not connected to this movie now. However, I still fucking loved it. I still mm-hmm. look back on that fondly, and I, I kind of maybe even laugh about that, like the kids being assholes. Like it, I was pissed in the moment, but it is what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the theater experience, I cherish it. I value it. I don't think there's any reason to get rid of it, and um, it might, it might go away pretty soon. Which is, I just don't like this idea that Russo, the Russo brothers are punching downward. Yeah. It's it's, like they, you made the two biggest movies in the whole fucking world, and then you made everything everywhere all at once, which is like an indie A24 movie that's also the biggest A24 fucking movie, and you just released another one, and you're just going to punch downward on theaters that are already struggling to stay alive, that have just started to make their comeback with stuff like Top Gun Maverick. And you're just going to be like, it's almost like shooting yourself in the foot almost too, because you've benefited a lot from theaters. Absolutely. And I don't know. Looking at a business model where streaming will benefit their probably. I guess if you're just looking at numbers. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you're you're not just, I don't know. Again, you're not just shooting yourself in the foot. Then you're probably, you're fucking over a lot of other people, not fucking over, but you're just kind of, you're again, punching downwards towards them. And I don't know. You're, you're not making it easier to keep movie theaters alive. Because they're already struggling. Mm-hmm. So, what I can't imagine as a director is to, you know, work really fucking hard on this vision that you have 
And what, you don't have a movie premiere in a theater? You're just like, oh shit, it's eight o'clock. Time to turn on the fucking TV in the living room and watch this movie I worked on for two years and just watch it with my family, I guess. Maybe a few friends. Like, that's not the same as, like, working on a movie, going to the premiere, a full house, you know, like, that whole experience. Like, Mm -hmm. as a director, wouldn't you want that? Unless you're a fucking soulless, fucking corporate-minded just businessman suit that just is like, well, this will get way more hits if it was streamed on Disney plus. It's like, dude, how do you view filmmaking like that? You know, see, that's exactly my point there. Now I feel like once things start to progress in that way and directors and filmmakers are trying to create films for a TV screen, the romance be, be like, if you're, if you're focused on the numbers, the romance of that film is gone. Your vision I don't give a shit about your vision anymore. I don't even want to watch that film as a person that watches films, you know, like consistently. And I remember like at one point when the pandemic happened, I was like, yo, I'm anti going there, like going to theaters because like obviously COVID and all that stuff. But going back to the movie theaters, like it re- there really is an experience there. And I, I agree 110 percent. And like you can't watch Top Gun Maverick on your fucking chair, man. And like and it's like, yeah, they have their opinion. Okay, that's fine. Like, that's completely fine. If you if you think that like it's an elitist notion, then fine, whatever. But not everyone can experience Top Gun Maverick in their motherfucking home, <laughs> and like no one has not, like no one not should. everyone has sixty fucking. Not like, everyone should know. experience yeah. It like that. Yeah, not everyone should, and not people don't even have. Some people don't have massive tvs to experience it the way that it should be experienced. And people have subscriptions now that that. You know, you have like $15 subscriptions all over the place. So like, I don't really understand if like the tickets are too expensive. You could literally watch a film on a Tuesday for $6, which is cheaper than a subscription. And it's like, it's not like you're going in the movie theater every fucking week. There are plenty of theaters that sell cheap (laughs) tickets. Yeah. Like, are you going to the movie theater every fucking week to watch? Like, I mean, you know, there's not that many movies coming out in the movie theaters anymore. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand what the the point of like, it's an elitist notion. Like, Mm -hmm. as and especially people who love film, I would assume they do. Um, it's, it's very frustrating because like, I don't want filmmaking to go in that direction where there is no, you know, what is your vision? Your vision is on the TV screen. That's fine. But I, I do believe that your vision will suffer from that. I believe that it won't be as honest and genuine to what you're trying to create anymore. Mm-hmm. That's where I get frustrated with. And, um, and frankly, I'm not, I'm not trying to watch the gray man because I saw the trailer and it looked very flat to me. Yeah, <laughs> that's an it, honest, it just looked like know, a summer blockbuster yeah. film, not even a block, but but just looked like a summer action flick. So yeah. when I don't want to go in that direction. I don't want to think about the fact that like these films and, you know, that they become subdued. Then what's the point? You know, I mean, like if theaters never existed and we were always meant to watch it on television, maybe, <laughs> you know, maybe like, mm-hmm. you know, we would never have that problem. But that's definitely a problem moving forward. If mm-hmm. if you really do believe that you can experience the same thing in a movie mm. theater compared to a TV set. Like, I, I don't know. There's something I mean, that's to just be me. said, too, that the that movie theaters did survive the pandemic because they were exactly. already, yeah. like, on their last legs. And then the pandemic happened, which really put them in a compromised spot. But mm-hmm. the fact that it still has a pulse is interesting to me because it's like, 
clearly people still like going to the movies Mm -hmm. and it's not about fucking being elitist you know fucking eight-year-old billy excited to see no way (laughs) home 2 is not fucking elitist for wanting to go see spider-man on the big screen like that's your fucking audience russos so they're clear mc's clearly making money still because they are opening up more theaters here um they've already opened up two in the valley uh, mm. I, I'm I believe they're I, I believe I they're reopening there. one in the Northridge Mall, right? Not the oh, are they? not the one on Winneka, but the actual Northridge Mall. I believe that's going to be yeah. I saw a news article for it. Um, oh, that's great. It's going to be an AMC. I believe it was Pacific Theaters before. So yeah, I mean, again, I don't even know if that's bad. Like that's probably just a problem within a problem. Is you know AMC monopolizing, yeah. but and cares, charging man. you know like the fuck out of. You know, movie ticket prices do get a little mm-hmm. up there sometimes. But again, sometimes, different conversation, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I fucking love going to the movies with my friends. What the hell? Ray, the day I can't go to the movies with you anymore, I hope we're like 90 and about to die. Like, then I won't Literally, care. Literally, yeah. Not, yeah. Shop my feet off. Yeah, it'll just like, be, I'll <laughs> be, I'll be so bummed. I love going yeah. to the movies and grabbing a beer with you after. Like, those, yeah. the, that's, it's that's our favorite pastime right there. Yeah. So, yeah. those are always memorable. Yeah. Like, and, I don't know. Like, I just, yeah, it really, I'm really scared of that time. Like, it really does frighten me of like, let's not get complacent, man. This is still an art form. And maybe I'm, I'm being an elitist and like pretentious for saying that, but like films mean something to certain people and experiencing them in the theaters, um, makes it even that much better. You know what? You know what, Chair? Now I'm starting to see that whole Nicole Kidman AMC thing. Like, (laughs) she's not fucking wrong, dude. Like, I wasn't wasn't looking at it too close, but, you know, she knows what she's talking about. Look at it closely. (laughs) (laughs) There's a message in that damn Uh, thing, man. Yeah. Honestly, it is really cool when you see, like, kids walk out of theaters like all you know wide-eyed and giddy you want to take movie theaters away from kids because like, we were kids watching the incredibles evil. like having our minds blown right? properly in the theaters yeah so i have i have so many fond memories of going to the theaters as a kid oh man when people tell me that their parents didn't take them to the theaters as a kid i don't even know i just i feel awful like they just confessed something truly awful to me yeah. and i don't know how to respond <laughs> um, <laughs> something truly awful <laughs> um but that's me. You're you like, know, I can't relate I to that trauma. I was in third grade. <laughs> you know, I was in third grade when on a school night, my mom picked me up and she was like, get in the car. We're going to see Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, the final chapter of this epic trilogy. And I'm like, fuck yeah, on a school night, you know, and, you know, long ass fucking movie. Shit changed my life. I was walking on clouds mm-hmm. the whole week. Yeah. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It was is the best cinematic experience I've ever had just because I just remember how much it affected me, how cool it was. It, it really, that experience really just defines like why we go to the movies. Like, but like, think about you know, that. Isn't that inspires you, you know, yeah, <laughs> like as for sure, you probably you probably, I mean, that amplifies and, you know, influences why you love movies so much now, maybe because of stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I don't know to be a kid too, and watch a movie like that. That's like a journey. You know, it really like when time passes three hours as a kid in a theater, that's a fucking lifetime. You've really like grown with that film. That's really like become an experience for you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it was a whole thing. Um, I'm sure people might have memories like that. Going to see movies as a kid. That was just because your imagination's insane as a kid. Yeah, absolutely. um, But yeah, so I obviously I cherish the theater experience. 
Can I shit on it all day long? Yes, absolutely. I have horror stories for days, <laughs> but I still want to go to the theater when I really want to see something. Mm, of course. It's pretty fun. But anyway, well, moving on to our final and most important news story <laughs> of the week, Miriam Margoyles, uh, actress from the Harry Potter series, mm-hmm. says that Arnold Schwarzenegger farted in her face while filming End of Days. Um, so this is huge. This is huge. <laughs> We're going to post this link on our Instagram social you gotta media. you got to read this article. So you guys can see this for yourself she when we says, release the episode. She says she still has not forgiven him for it and that he was actually quite rude, which I would have to agree there, Miriam. That is quite rude. Uh, she goes into more detail. Um, I love the way that she phrases this. She says, he farted in my face. Now... <laughs> I fart, of course. I do. But I don't fart in people's faces. He did it deliberately, right in my face. <laughs> uh, so, you know, she says, in quotes, uh, doesn't care for him. And uh, he's a bit too full of himself. And so, you know, I can understand. I really, I'm just curious, and you guys might be too, how does the situation even happen? Like, was she sitting down and he like walked Honestly. by and crop dusted was her? Was this, you know, or, during a take or something? Yeah. <laughs> like what, it, what, and this is during, it's not filming a comedy. They're filming a horror film. Oh, it's, it says here, it says I was playing Satan's sister and he was killing me. So he had me in a position where I couldn't escape and lying on the floor, period. And he just farted, period. End quote. <laughs> It wasn't on what? film. It was in one of the pauses. What but the I, hell? But I haven't forgiven him for it. Oh man! So it was a deliberate fart, just cause, just cause he was like, I don't know. Maybe did she address it? Hold on. Doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like she addressed it to him. That must have been nasty. Everybody, if she's still mad. Everybody farts. If she's still pissed. Everybody man. farts, but a deliberate facial fart is like. I know, I know you guys pretty well, but would you be cool with me farting in your face? Like, even if we know each other, I would kill you. (laughs) My mouth was open, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, we've known each other for quite a while, and I don't think you guys would still be okay with that. And so, this relationship they have doesn't sound very close. So it's pretty bold. I mean, she was playing (laughs) Satan's sister. She said. This might literally be our shittiest episode. (laughs) Quite literally, yeah. The shits and farts episode, man. Um, All right. That's it for news. All right. Well, moving into other movies that we watch throughout the week. Who wants to go first? How about you, Ryan? It seems like you watch the most. So I'll let you. I'll I'll watch 12 movies. I'll let you pick. Counting Roller Town. Your top one that you watch. What the hell? Okay, so I did watch. What's the the one at the top of the list that you feel you can't wait to discuss? That I really can't? Okay, well, let me read the the list off. So at least everyone knows, like, everything. And then I'll pick top five, and I'll go with, like, number one afterwards. Or at least, like, one of the top five that I want to talk about. But the 12 movies I did watch were High Fidelity, Tarzan, Seven, The Thing, The Maltese Falcon, Brief Encounter, Jackie Brown, Jurassic Park again, Roller Town, which was a big piece of shit. Uh, Punch, Drunk Love, <laughs> Get Out, and Death <laughs> So I guess <laughs> the first one in order that I actually really liked, it was going to be High Fidelity, but let's go with Seven. That was my first time watching it in a while. 
in a while. And I've always watched this movie in like parts two as I grew older because like I was just like, oh, it's like it's a long movie, detective and all that stuff. I wasn't really into it, but it's masterful. I gave it a four and a half stars. I think Brad Pitt um, and Morgan Freeman were just tremendous. Kevin Spacey was great too, but you know, he's canceled and he's just like an evil bastard in real life. He's literally the same character in real life in this movie. So Kevin Spacey, man, you're evil. I mean, you're it's probably why you really did well in this film because you're an evil bastard, but that's besides the point. Uh, the movie was great. I think it was just like the script was amazing too. I think Brad Pitt really shined in this film. Um, and David Fincher, obviously you guys know that I really do like social network and I also very much like fight club, which I think was his best film. I gave that one five stars, uh, on a rewatch, but seven is, uh, it's just amazing. Um, especially just like the elements of like, you know, the, the seven deadly sins, I think is just, it's, it's, it's really great. And the characters really flow together. Kevin Spacey is a perfect bad guy to Brad Pitt. And the duo of Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman with Morgan Freeman being this very old man who just sees the world for what it is. He's experienced. He knows what to expect. And I love that last line that he says where it's just like, um, I forget who, what the, who, which philosopher said this, but it was the quote that um, was said was, the world is a beautiful place and it's worth fighting for. And Morgan Freeman's character says in the end, I believe the second part. So someone that's was definitely it Mark seen, Twain? Was it Mark Twain? I think it might have been Mark Twain. Was it? Or Ernest Hemingway. Uh, I don't know. Well, a literature guy or a philosophy guy? Philosopher, whatever. <laughs> but it was a really good line, and I really like the ending. And if you guys know what the ending is, Brad Pitt basically is Ernest Hemingway, turn... sorry. I mean, Ernest or... Hemingway, yeah. <laughs> well, Brad Pitt is definitely going to turn into Morgan Freeman's character in that world. So, um I just loved it. I love Brad Pitt's, um, you know, charismatic, um, you know, character and his hopefulness and his 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 drive to create a different world, especially in this fucked up city that they live in. But um, yeah, I I thought it was amazing. So, you know, four and a half stars out of five. Now, you did say you're the the first movie you mentioned that you really liked. Mm hmm. Well, I don't want to talk. I don't want to talk like all my films because I'm only picking five well, out I'm of twelve. I'm just picking up the fact that you gave that a three point seven five. Yeah, so, you know, is, is that <laughs> the top of your list there? Because you gave seven four and well, a half. Well, you know what? It's 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 in the um, it's in the realm of forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's like how much I enjoyed it. I definitely can see myself rewatching this on days that. I mean, I would rather rewatch Forgetting Sarah Marshall, but High Fidelity is in that same realm, and I can see its charm, and it's a fun movie. It's you don't really know what I'm movie. talking about at all. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, because I know you're you're a huge High Fidelity fan, right? I would uh, say I'm a huge High Fidelity fan. I do really like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, like, there's one scene that like we all always talk about. Yeah. Jack Black's intro in the movie. Oh my god. What is it? The Monday mixtape or something? Yeah. <laughs> Monday morning mixtape. That's Monday what it is. Yeah. Tape. Yeah. It's Makes just like special iconic. for you. Special <laughs> for this morning. <laughs> <laughs> A little Latin loop <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, that those three are the three of us, really. Honestly, yeah, we're pretentious fucks that just like 
talk about films, but those guys talk about pretentious like music. I'm definitely the Jack Black because I. There's no way. You're You're definitely definitely John John Cusack, (laughs) right? You are definitely, yeah, John Cusack. There's no No, way. Ray, you're John John Cusack. Yes. Yes. How? yes. 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 I'm not that pretentious with film, dude. No, 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 way. no, 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 no. But no, it's no. definitely. Ray, I think in that scene where um, Dick, isn't it Dick? Is it Dick? Dick? Yeah, dude, Dick. that's literally Richie. That's his name. Well, but still, in that scene where <laughs> Dick is just kind of like, he's just kind of like, um, he states, he's like, oh, um, by the by the Bell and Sebastians, whatever song, and Jack Black's oh. like, no, by the Righteous Brothers, and he's like, yeah, oh, never mind. Bullshit. <laughs> You said yeah. right now, what's what's never mind? You know, like he's just yeah, like, like, yeah, what's wrong with the righteous brothers? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> that's basically what I do is like, you tell me you like something, I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> Ray's like, I liked Elvis. I'm like, no, you didn't like this movie. <laughs> that's literally us in the scene, though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Who wants to go on the rotation? Next film next person i'll go um i did watch a few films i watched hallelujah leonard cohen's most recent you know documentary Mm -hmm. about him it's called hallelujah a journey a song and it's basically you would like this one jerry because i know you're a big yeah i'm already looking it up i'm like all Um, right i just saw that it was playing in theaters another late night watch too um, I'm starting to, you know, it's, it's very, it's very another hit or miss, you know, it's a coin toss to see how much I'm going to really enjoy this movie. If I go at like 10 30 at night. Um, but I'm starting to, I feel like I'm coming around to, it. I feel like it's a nice little curveball into my like week schedule, mm-hmm. but, um, but no, basically the documentaries, everybody knows uh, the hallelujah song basically everybody knows i don't have to sing it but you know if you've seen no go ahead shrug no i almost did just to like really inform our audience that probably i mean if you sing like leonard cohen you're just saying it right no definitely not so um but yeah it basically it's like this the fourth the fifth the minor fall i mean that's how he sings uh pretty um, much it's very close but yeah it does detail you know a lot of it, it's not about just that song, even though when it does get to him finally releasing that song and what it took to get it released in, you know, the U.S., because originally it was very difficult for him to release in the U.S. because Columbia Records was not into that song at all. The guy who ran Columbia at the time was making it very, very difficult to, you know, on Leonard to just basically approve this song. So we basically had to leave to a very tiny record label. Uh, and get it distributed there. And it was a very no-name, nobody's ever heard of label. So uh, hmm. it took a long time for the song to actually pick up. And Bob Dylan was actually the first, one of the first people to cover that song. Yeah. And it was, you know, it all kind of snowballed from there. The song just kept taking off like more and more. But again, a very gradual snowball. You know, obviously things started to really pick up when there's um ah i should have his name pulled up here but uh i believe it's john kale that's when his version really you know kind of took that song up even higher and it starts to just it's crazy how it just reaches further and further and you know that song especially because there are religious you know writings in there kind of Mm -hmm. they feel they're 
also interchange to whoever sings it, they usually kind of either leave it out or they fill it in with a, you know, a lyric of their own. Uh, it's all really, really cool. So, hmm. um, so yeah, it was, uh, it's interesting to see and his life during just to get it made or just to write that song, he worked on that song for a really long time and he had so many versions of that song written. It all kind of went the same the way you can kind of like hum the song, but, uh, but he had just so many, you know, writings for, it. I think it was something like over 120 different kind of like segments, obviously little rhymes like that goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, uh, the major chord, the minor, whatever, uh, had so many different ones of those. You just had like a full book dedicated to them, notebook. So yeah, it was really cool. It was interesting to see. And then his life after when the song took off and he was, he was very like, you know, humored to see how many people were covering his song, uh and how much you know it kind of spoke to people and yeah it's really really cool it's cool to see that guy's you know career it's really short too but you know i kind of compared it to you know it's 90 minutes of a documentary that i learned a lot more about leonard cohen than three hours of a fucking you know hollywood mm-hmm. fucking cranker to just try and spill one little detail about elvis so you said it not me but but uh, yeah definitely worth yeah. checking out uh that's his name, Jeff Buckley. Jeff Buckley was like one of the very original yes. people to cover it. And um, his also, cover is haunting. It's really good. It is. And it's even more unfortunate that he ended up passing. Um, oh, I, that whole, that's a whole fucking. I never even knew about that, but they go into it. They honestly kind of go into a little bit of a Jeff Buckley, you know, dive. And I was like, man, I never really liked that version. Not that I didn't like it, but I didn't prefer that version. I did like the John Cale version a lot. Um, and the Rufus Wayne, uh, Rain White version. That's also, those are both the Shrek versions. And I was a little partial <laughs> to those and they do go over the Shrek, you know, influence why. too. So, but again, <laughs> Shrek influence. Yeah. So, but it, uh, yeah, the whole Jeff Buckley thing, it did make me appreciate that more. And he even talks about, you know, they, they kind of discuss how the song could appeal to people differently just based on who's singing it in the sense mm-hmm. where like when Leonard sings it, it sounds very profound and very, yeah. you know, it speaks for, for, for like a lot of wisdom, a lot of inner wisdom. But like when Jeff Buckley, a really young guy, very boyish look, it sounds like a heartbreak and a boy singing, you know, something very sad from his heart. Um, so yeah, very interesting to see and see how that song kind of transcends artists and, you know, covers and uh Yeah. Uh, it's it's really really cool again i wasn't even like a huge you know cohen fan going into this and i just fell in love with the guy more and more it made me want to learn even more about him so but they did a great job you know detailing his life coming up before and even after hallelujah and him going on like his final tours before he passed uh it's mm. really really cool um that's cool i know you'll love that yeah, one Jay. yeah man and I think every well, everybody knows Hallelujah. So if you like that song, you'll be you'll be tickled and interested to find out more about his story. Two things though, <clears throat> two issues I have here. Let's hear them. When I look up the movie um, on Letterboxd, the it doesn't show up until like I'm not even kidding, like the thirteenth hit. Yeah. When I just type in Hallelujah, but you know it'd be a lot easier for me to find this. <laughs> here it comes. If, if I had logged, logged it, your watches, logged my, you didn't send <laughs> in your you, paperwork, Mike Wazowski. But you're slacking on Letterboxd. I don't know what the fuck you're watching. When you said you watched three movies, I'm like, dude, this guy's living a double life. 
Guy is gone rogue. I don't know. I'm not seeing anything on Letterboxd. Come on. I'm beefing up big time. Well, I I mean, yeah, what am I telling also, people? Also, to... another thing to say, I'm sure it's great, but that cover, at least the one that's on Letterboxd, is pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, it looks weird. I just saw it. I was like, what the hell is this? Um, and I, you know what confused me is there's a there's a Hallelujah that came out this year. I assumed it was this one, but it's hmm. that's a 14-minute short film, so never mind. <laughs> never um, mind. This I one came some out grades. last year, though. You'll never find. Ooh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Channeling going. Um, yeah, dude. Well, yeah. what about you, Joe? What'd you fucking dude watch, rocks. dude? What can I get on you about that I've seen? No. <laughs> Actually, you you would know if you went on Letterboxd and you saw, because I logged it. Uh, I watched Le Bon Here. Le Bon Here. Le Bon Here. I don't know. <laughs> Le, Le Bon, Le bon Here. I'm trying to pronounce it. Right. You don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> It's uh it's an Agnes Varda film. Um nineteen sixty-five. It is uh basically a story about this family, this married couple, mm-hmm. and it's sort of I don't want to give away too much, but I will just say um things are not what they appear to be in this film. It starts out very idyllic, very, you know, um colorful, playful, almost proto, very proto Wes Anderson. Um, there's even a lot of stuff. There's a lot of technical stuff she does that I would say Scorsese has borrowed from, uh, in terms like the transition, whether they bloom to a, the color red or something or the color yellow on the flowers. Scorsese does that. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of cool things. Like this movie has a very strong directorial, uh, vision and, uh, but it's a, it's a story about, I guess you could say, how uh, men are kind of scary, mm. especially if you're a married woman. Um, I won't. I think it's good to go into this one blind, so I won't say much else. That's but interesting. It is a really cool movie. Very short, seventy nine minutes. I really liked it. I probably like it even more on a rewatch, just because the first time watching it, I didn't know what it was going to be about or where it was going, but where it ends up is really really cool and quite haunting. Uh, so yeah, it it's uh. It's really good. All right, let's see your next one, baby. Let's see your next. All right, uh, let's see your second. These are 11. not in order, by the way, in terms of uh, enjoyment or rating. I'm just like reading off my list and like in order, like the next one I just want to talk about. But I did watch uh, John Carpenter's The Thing, and I thought it was fitting to watch this film, especially that we talked about Neo last week and also just Hateful Eight and how that wasn't like necessarily the best you know quentin film that we've seen but the thing was awesome kurt russell is amazing um and i think that this had a lot more depth compared to hateful eight i think hateful eight just had a little bit more surface level it was easy to understand and a lot longer than it needed to be (laughs) but the thing was great um it's very horrifying I, i didn't really think that you know the pacing would be as quick but it definitely went quick and it was um it was very entertaining, and this was my first time actually watching this. And I can That's see your first very... time watching the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's the 40th anniversary for it this year, I believe, too. I, mm. I, I've been meaning Is to it? actually oh, go see that. it uh, because they're they're rescreening it in theaters right now. So, 
Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. But yeah, I've been it, meaning it awesome. to go check it out because I haven't seen it yet either. So once again, yeah, Richard hasn't seen a movie everyone has. <laughs> the thing. <laughs> well, is... I mean, this is the first time I saw this, so I mean, you know, you're not alone in that. But um, it it was uh it was an awesome film like i can see myself rewatching this i did buy this on my amazon account so like i'm really happy that i did um one of those movies that i can definitely just put on 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 the background too um and it has that 80s feel it's just ray i gotta get on your uh digital you're moving toward digital and i'm just like well it's just easier if i'm watching that many films it is it's true yeah i mean i still support theaters bezos is letting you borrow them (laughs) (laughs) you gotta you gotta get just like you know, it make you happier. You got the 4K disc. I make you oh, a that's lot true. happier. That is that's true. A, it's a beaut. It's a beaut. Yeah, I'll try to get on that game soon, though, for sure. Like I was on that game for a little bit, but then I was just like, damn, you know what? It's so much easier to just like order I it think, online. I think you would have bumped it up to a 4.5 at least if you saw. Honestly, I might have. Yeah, but. <laughs> No, I'm not kidding, because I gave this a 4.25, and I was trying to find, like, a, just kind of, you know how I am, like, you know, I try to find meaning in all these films and the romance of it, but you really have to view this film for what it is, and it's, it's, um, it, it's a gripping film, and it, it's fun, and Kurt Russell is just amazing, I think the group of characters, you don't necessarily remember every single character's name, but you you'd certainly remember what happens to each and every single one of them. <laughs> That's for sure. And they all play a really cool role. And um, it felt like you were in that room. It was really nice to like be a part of that, like, I guess, gripping experience. It's definitely one of my favorite films uh, of all time. So, yeah, it's awesome. And uh, mm-hmm. don't think you got away from it, Ray. I hate you. <laughs> I did want to ask, what's the last half or whole rating you've given? I feel like I've heard a lot of pocket change ratings lately. And now now I'm starting to see like a bit of a pattern. It might have been yesterday. I gave Get Out a four star yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I give. Yeah. Just want to make sure you're not pissing me off intentionally. I was going to talk about Get Out (laughs) 2 today, but I don't know, man. Save it for next week when we watch Nope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Who wants to go next, Rich? Is it, is it me? Okay, yeah. I think I only watched one it of the is. movies. So my third movie was Roller Town. So this was the other movie I watched, uh, which uh, was called Official Competition or, you know, Competencia Oficial, I guess. Uh, it was a mostly, you know, spoken Wait in Spanish. Wait a minute. You saw this? Yeah. Oh, wow. Did you hear about I know this? about this movie. Cool. Yeah. I've seen the tra- we, we watched the trailer together when we saw Lux Eterna. Really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, don't, I don't remember trailers for everything, but, um, but yeah, I did check this out. Um, this movie was really funny. Actually, it wasn't what I expected. I didn't look up too much for it. And I think I'd only seen one trailer, but it was, it was, a uh, it's very, very, very comedic. And it's basically about actors. And I watched it with my friend and she's also an actor and, you know, she was basically saying that was a huge attack on, actors in the the filmmaking industry and basically Mm. but it doesn't go into you know actual on set it kind of goes into more preparing roles and reading lines and you know going through scenes and what the director's kind of the tone that they're trying to get and it's very interesting to see you know directors be very exaggerated and absurd and ridiculous but also laughable in the sense where they're trying to you know get their actors to get it just right what they're trying to you know emulate in a scene 
And so, I mean, just to kind of like give like an example, there is a scene where she's just asking him to be drunk, but to a very specific degree. And mm. she's basically saying, give me like a four out of 10 drunk and give me a five out of 10. And it's like, <laughs> how the fuck do you do that? And, you know, yeah. it's, it's very funny because the actors that she's working with are, it's two big, big actors. And one of them's, you know, Hollywood royalty kind of, he's the hot shit. And, you know, the other guy's a very prestigious theater actor. So, um, mm. but yeah, that's basically it. It's, I don't want to spoil the movie for you guys. If you guys end up seeing it, which I think you guys should, I think in a time where I feel like comedies aren't even that big anymore. And I feel like they're kind of slimming You're recommending down. me a three star film. That's like a three and a half. I don't know. The thing is, I don't want to give this a three and a half just yet. You want to give it a 3.25 oh. is what you want to do. Ah, uh, he's on the boat oh, now. But I didn't I say see that. how it but is. Let me finish, Bubba. <laughs> <laughs> I got to stop saying Bubba. That's my inner Brendan Schaubenisms <laughs> creeping out. <laughs> Brandon Schaub. Brandon Schaub. Uh, but, uh. Yeah, I, I do want to. I do want to write like an honest review for this one. Something where I actually do, you know, mm. recall more about what I liked from it. And yeah, it was actually nice. It was refreshing seeing like a you know a good comedy. And uh, yeah, so I, I recommend this three and a potential half star film. <laughs> potential half star. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I, He's just not ready to commit yet to the to the quarters, but we'll get there. This, you know, you're making me think about it, but I'm going to hold out. <laughs> I don't usually recommend three stars. I feel like it's got to be at least a three and a half. I recommend three stars. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm, well, I, I respect would... people's time more than, <laughs> than three stars. <laughs> uh, yeah. Antonio Banderas, Penelope Cruz. They're really good. And I actually, I don't recognize this, this third actor. He's the third lead in it. And mm-hmm. uh, his name is Oscar Martinez. Probably related to you, Jer. Um, <laughs> but, it's possible. But, uh, I haven't seen anything he's been in. I'm a bad cousin. But, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's really cool. It's, it's you know, a movie about making movies. And I feel like those are always, it's a little satire and uh, a bit of a parody kind of, but still worth watching. I recommend this <laughs> film. Fuck you. Even if it is at a <laughs> standing of three stars, <laughs> You're giving it a it's out of three stars at the least. Like you can't give it less than three stars, I think. But okay, yeah, but who fair, knows? Okay. That's quite the praise. that's that's bold. That is bold. <laughs> that's quite the praise. <laughs> uh, well, Jer, uh, I watched a Scorsese film that I'd never mm-hmm. seen before called. The Age of Innocence. Um, mm. This was made in 1993, starring Daniel Day-Lewis and Whoa. Michelle Pfeiffer and Winona Ryder, Ooh, as well okay. as, wouldn't you know it, uh, Margoyles, the actress who does not enjoy... Getting farted on, that's her, right? <laughs> yeah, Margoyles is in this film. Pre, Pre-fart? I don't know. Pre-fart? Yeah. Let's look up end of days when was that made 99 yes this was pre-fart pre-fart wow so margoyle's pre-fart incident before she was Um, baptized by sports (laughs) (laughs) um yeah no i i did like this film uh it is very different from anything he's ever done that i've seen it's a period piece takes place in you know high society new york in the uh, i believe it's the 
19th century. Um, Mm -hmm. And it is totally different from what I have come to expect. And now he's not, I really hate this really boring take that he is the mob movie guy. Um, That's usually, that's just not even true. He's made a lot of fucking movies and yeah, he's most known for some of his mob films, but he's experimented in a lot of different realms of storytelling. And this is one of them. This is a, um, a adaptation of a novel. It's, it's just, um, period piece, very over the top, very lavish, exaggerated, but I will say it was held back for me for a lot of reasons. And it was just because he was kind of putting his like over the top Goodfellas cocaine energy into this movie. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't meshing well for me. Um, there's a really overbearing narration in it that I just did not enjoy. It's straight from the book. You can tell. And I just I didn't care for it. Like, I don't mind narration, but when it's just too much, I start to notice and get irritated. Um, and then it's just very, very exhaustingly expositional. There's just mm-hmm. so many characters being introduced. This is this person. This is Claude. And he is a wealthy man of this, and this is Beaumont, and all that stuff. And it's just like, how much of this is really going to matter? And in the end, it doesn't really, because the story is, it should be at least a very quaint and personal story. It's a story about love and temptation and infidelity even, um, and you know, personal sacrifice and marriage and whatnot. And I think, I don't know, just the very overblown style took a lot of that away from me like what you know i wasn't able to connect as much with the characters because it just felt too grand you know the the movie starts off with this opera scene and it just kind of the rest of the film feels almost like in its own way an opera like it's very stage um exaggerated it's very grand the locations are just beautiful but in this almost like i'm watching an inexpensive movie way and not like i'm there with the characters so um, I was kind of kept at that stage play distance for the most part. And I, I did enjoy the story. There's some beautiful sequences and it's a pretty strong finish, but I don't, uh, I think the style is a bit too much for me. And I, I was not that crazy about it for Scor- Scorsese standards, but you know, the movie has its following. People seem to really like it, even though it's different from what he's done. So I give it a three and a half and mm. I'll recommend it if you, well, you know, if you want to see more of Scorsese's diverse, you yeah. know, just kind of getting a taste of how diverse his body of work is. Mm-hmm. This is one worth visiting, you know, very different for him and quite good. Awesome. My third top movie that I want to talk about this week, Brief Encounter uh, from 1945 by David Lean. He made some pretty golden or pretty amazing golden age films like Lawrence of Arabia, Bridge of Choir, Bridge of the River Choir. Yeah, Uh, so he made those, but I've never. Doctor Zhivago. Yeah, Doctor Zhivago. This is my first David Lean one. It's pretty short. That's why I chose it. That's how I get through like most of my movies because I watched like twelve films throughout this week. So I chose that primarily for the uh, runtime. But man, like. This movie hit. It was like a really great film about love. And it really captures that. Like almost an unexpected love, which is very natural. 
Um, and the main character is basically just confessing to her husband that she's having an affair with someone that she fell in love with. And without telling him what happened, she's just basically giving him a look and they're just kind of sharing a moment in the fireplace as, you know, as their kids fall asleep. And she just kind of remembers all the things that her and this person that she fell in love with at the train station and kind of how the relationship develops from a very natural standpoint it was never in any way shape or form that she had some kind of lustful mindset or that she wa- she was unhappy with her husband because her husband's like a great husband but it's just like one of those things that just kind of happen and you see their love blossom and it's it's very like you feel like you're like going through this journey with them, seeing what love is. You smile at the moments that are very like, you know, heartfelt and also just like funny between these two individuals. It feels like you're just almost like watching them from like arm's length. And it's just it's a very charming film. I think there are like really great cinematography moments in this film and even just risky, not risky, but like kind of edgy things that happen throughout the film. And it's not really expected, especially for Golden Age. I would say it's edgy for Golden Age, but uh, the main character is amazing. I think the the relationship she has with the individual she falls in love with is it goes through the motions of love. The way that High Fidelity did it in a very comedic way, this one does it in a very just like grown up, heartbroken and honest way. And I thought it was just amazing. I think the ending was great too. And you know, it's very golden age, the ending, I would say, but I, I still think it's an amazing film, and I gave it a four and a half out of five. Damn. Well, yeah, where did it you was, watch this? It was, uh, HBO Max. Okay. Might yeah, have to so it's it on there. Cool, cool, cool. Pretty cool. Rich, I think you said that that was your last film? You know, I actually did just remember, but I do. I, I did. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was like, what? This is why we log on Letterboxd. Just so you folks at home know, I'm not just being a Letterboxd like police officer. Like, you know, this is, there's a fucking reason we do that. There's a function. Well, uh, you can get on me about that later, but I was always, well, I was going to say, I, I always admire your love for romantic films, Ray. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I feel like that's your taste all the way and mm-hmm, absolutely i love that you indulge endlessly into them uh before i watched how did, i don't know how i watched roller town i think it was on amazon free but before it was yeah i tr- yeah yeah which by the way is i don't know i'm getting sick of these ads man <laughs> especially you know for movies like that at least it just makes those movies longer and those movies don't need to be longer than they are they make it worse man yeah the when the movie isn't doing so good you know reception wise with and you and then you get a fucking ad <laughs> and then you got yeah. a fucking ad and it says oh 180 God. seconds left and you're just like fuck like but anyway i saw on google that it was available on pluto tv and i've never used pluto tv and mm-hmm. that shit is fucking horrible because you could watch movies on demand but there's no search bar so you can't actually you have to go through every category and scroll through every like stair section. Oh my god. It is dude. an absolute fucking nightmare and you think you're you're like there has to be like some, you know, fucking search bar somewhere. There has to be some function and you're just left looking. So eventually I gave the fuck up and um but before I gave up on Rollertown, I did happen to scroll past War of the Worlds on pluto tv (laughs) 
This guy and is just so horny like, for Tom Cruise. I was Cruise. like, this is a Tom Cruise classic, baby. Don't even get me fucking started. Yeah, I got that time. Is true. I was like, Mr. True. Incredibles, check my watch. Yeah, I got time. Like, so <laughs> I checked out uh, War of the Worlds again, and I was uh, I was into that movie uh, like I always been. So. I was more surprised. I was more surprised about how many people that I recognize in that film than I previously recognized since you know the last time I saw it. Um, the actor who plays Andy Dufresne, uh, Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins, thank you. <laughs> so fucking pissed at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I, I mean, it. I remember every kind of beat of that movie to the point where I'm like, oh, this is where. You know, he gets captured and this is, you know, the red root. Right, yeah. Basically that this is they're basically fertilizing the fucking ground. Um, I was kind of surprised that I didn't remember how abrupt the ending was for them yeah. to just suddenly start to, you know That's the only thing I remember the, is the ending. The invasion the invading aliens basically, you know, just kind of dying off, not being because mm-hmm. the whole the whole thing behind that was that their their bodies just never adapted to the bacteria that was now on Earth. But yeah. I will say the setup and like the intro for the beginning of that movie was really good. The shit, first dude. half is really good. I yeah. So even the way that they're introducing like you know the aliens coming up from underground, but they're sent from above underground. That shit's just scary, man. And when they start just. Oh, it's when they're looking insane. at the footage and then like yeah. basically the teacher That's... from Incredibles is like, right there. Yeah. yeah like right Honestly, there. Honestly, it, it was mostly like a bit of like a, it's kind of like, it gave me the signs mo- moment where, you know, you're watching. It's not as scary as that where, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's the Mexican, uh, you know, birthday news party, footage, That's... birthday party thing going on. Yeah. But That's it did give me, it did shit. give me that like vibe though. And I was like, man, this is what I love about science fiction. It's, it's kind of like this. It's it's teasing you about what's unknown, but you know that there's yeah. so much there. So, I don't know. Again, I love Tom Cruise, but seeing him in this was definitely strange. As a <laughs> you know, a father to Dakota Fanning, and that yeah. their teenage son looks fucking well into his twenties. I felt <laughs> like they kind of tried to play him. He didn't fit oh, the teenage man. look. He looked, and I guess maybe he wasn't a teenager in it, but. If he was supposed to be, the backwards cap wasn't really fooling me. <laughs> like in the kind of tussled <laughs> hair in front, I just thought it was. I hated strange. his arc too. It was a little strange like, that I'm it, trying to die from a country. He's like, we have to get daddy. back at them, Dad. Like so. Uh, so hey, yeah. I, I don't know what I would oh, not be man. like that if, at a, as a teenage boy. I'd be fucking terrified, like. I'm like, yeah. what are you gonna do, man? You're just gonna fucking it's fucking aliens, bro. I do, <laughs> I do love the way that movie paces and There's no way. You know, moves forward. You know, basically them kind of getting, yeah. you know, their car taken by you mm. know the mobs of people. Then they're on foot too, just like everybody scene, else. Yeah. And then they end up trying to get a ferry, and the, you know, it's it's all really cool. They end up leaving the ferry because the fairy gets tipped over and then, then they end up inside mm-hmm. the psycho, you know, doomsday preppers house and, mm-hmm. and that whole stuff. I don't know that even up I to, think after that, yeah, right that after that, because even off. then I'm, I'm very into, yeah. Uh, the doomsday prepper, you know, mm-hmm. kind of confrontation. So yeah, that, and it starts to kind of bleed more into how, when they start to sneak and spy on, uh, they're not sneaking around, but they're, they're just spying on the aliens because they do see how, what they're doing they're basically using their blood uh human blood to kind of like you know 
fertilize and function. Like it's kind of like fueling them. So yeah, really cool. Definitely like get them high. That movie just getting them really fucking high. (laughs) (laughs) Just that's why they started to fucking tip over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) they were just Um, fucking juiced out. (laughs) I actually watched this last year in October pretty recently oh, really? so it's still fresh in my head yeah okay i remember oh, wow. it was a it was a good revisit i mean i i had really wanted it to be better than i like i was rooting for it to like kind of be, be better than what i remembered and the first half definitely was the first half was good it was like good like actual end of the world type horror you know disaster porn um and I like that stuff. I think just, yeah, it just loses its way somewhere. And it also plays it a little too family friendly. There's that like Spielberg type of like, this has still got to be PG 13, which mm. the movie would have greatly benefited if it did not go entirely the family friendly route. Cause it's so, it's just apocalyptic joy for the first, you know, half of the film. It is apocalyptic terror. Intro. Yeah. It's sci-fi terror um, in the beginning mm-hmm. and middle. So and uh, I, I didn't actually know. I was looking it up because I was like, what the fuck is that red root? Like, I never understood that as a kid. Like, obviously, like, it's like a blood root almost. But um, but I just wanted to find out more about it. And apparently they were, it's not spoken in this, but in the original War of the Worlds, never read it. Great book. But um, that's what they're supposed to, the aliens are supposed to be Martians. And that's why Mars is red. This, is, this book came out before mm. we knew what the fuck Mars actually was. We just knew you know, Mars was just this red planet, but the inspiration for that is basically when Tom Cruise does start to walk out and see that all this red root growing around and fertilizing around trees. And basically he's just in this red land. It's, it's like almost, it's rich almost, but it's just, it's not green rich. It's red Mm, rich basically. So they basically go on to explain that that's why Mars is red. This is how they operate there. So I always like recalled coming out of that theater because I watched it in the theaters with my uncle and my brother, and like Same. my uncle I was, there was with you so mad, he was just like, <laughs> "Fuck!" <laughs> he was just so mad, dude. He was just like, "That's just so corny." Just because, like, the fact that they literally said they planned this for millions of years, and like, it's the oxygen that kills them. Like, they didn't think about well, the. It oxygen. was the bacteria. Yeah. Oh, like was, yeah, the bacteria well, or whatever. That, because that we uh, humans had evolved to be immune to the bacteria, oh, okay, but they okay. hadn't. Right, the, right, you know, yeah. antibodies, you know, the millions of years of evolution. And yeah, and whatnot while and like their that. like technology was far more advanced, with, like the tripods and basically right, their right. like armoring system was there. I guess they never fucking heard a it hand was a bit sanitizer. of a rushed, yeah, it, a rushed hand down. sanitizer. Yeah, I don't know. I guess these guys have never had a fucking like common cold <laughs> oh, out there on Mars, but yeah, I guess not. I mean, it's Mars. But so it doesn't actually say the in the movie there. where they're from. Uh, it just kind of they just refer as they're an invading yeah, species. Yeah, just aliens. So, yeah, yeah, still good, though. I still really enjoyed the shot of it. I was like, you know what? That was worth posting Roller Town up a little bit. Since you did not post your log, what what are you rating this? Oh, yeah. What is this rating? This is a three and a half for sure. Okay. I have it at a three. (laughs) I don't know about for sure. What made you want to watch this? You'd seen this before you rewatched it, I'm sure. I watched it in theaters with Ray's family. Was that the was, was that the last you. time you'd seen it? We were like kids. No, that that really was like the last time I saw it was in theaters. I feel like I'd seen it on TV since. And you know you what? You saw the, it in theaters last October. No, no. I mean, like you said, you watched October, it. No, he just he just uh, rewatched it, right? I assume he just yeah, watched yeah. it at home. Yeah, the best part about seeing it in theaters 
straight up the best part about the whole experience was not the movie it was this old man who sat was sitting next to me and as my mom is like you know trying to get the fuck out of there movies mm-hmm. over this old man starts talking to me and i'm like you know i'm a little kid so like, oh he's got something to say like i want to talk to him <laughs> and you know he's almost like that it's like the big daddy scene it's like <laughs> i was thinking are you doing a bit right now is this big daddy no, i swear to god this is fucking real and he starts talking he's like it's amazing you know spielberg he's a master he's able to do aliens as the good guys and then aliens as the bad guys you know with et as the good guys i was like oh "Mm, man you got a point and then he's like by the way you need to go see this movie how's moving castle and i was like "Ooh, what's that and he's like oh it's like the same director as spirited away when he said that i was like i love spirited away like i started exploding because at that age i also Mm -hmm. didn't you know know many people who knew spirited away so it was just like this old fucking man stranger is like director of spirit away just released a new film it's in theaters right now or it's it's supposed to be releasing and i was like oh no way i love spirit away it's one of my favorite movies and he's just like all right come down kid like look just go see how's moving castle it's his best movie yet it's the best thing he's ever done and i was like fuck yeah so i took his word for it i looked it up online on the computer and i saw how's moving castle I, this is the first time i ever heard of it and it was coming out that year so i got to see Howl's in theaters because of that old man Damn, and um, hope that guy's I doing good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was the best. That's the best part about seeing more of the world in theaters. Is that that's awesome. and the Russo and that's brothers want to take away theaters? Yes, exactly <laughs> where I was going. Fuck you, Russo brothers, because without that, I wouldn't <laughs> oh, have man. fallen in love with fucking House of Castle. I disagree. I don't think it's his, it's Miyazaki's best, but it is top three for me. Uh, so it is up there for sure. It's a five banger. Love that. Hell film. yeah, I'm very um, very partial to that film. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, nah, so that was that was the best part about seeing War of the Worlds. But that's all I saw and that's all you saw, right, Rich? Theater experience, man. Yeah, that's that that's it for me. Second to last one is Jackie Brown. Um, this was my first time actually oh, yeah. watching this film. So I was uh, you know, not expecting like the greatest film, but I think that helped my <laughs> my uh enjoyment of this film. I really did enjoy it. Why weren't you it expecting up? it to be great? Um, just because like, it's one of those films that like, I think that if you ever talk to people that really like, you know, Tarantino's films, they're, you know, they don't really say like, oh, Jackie Brown's like top five or anything like that. And I've always heard like mixed things about Jackie Brown. And I never really even knew like the synopsis of what Jackie Brown was. I just knew it was Pam Grier. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it's probably an homage to her films. And sure enough, it really was. But I think it was very tasteful and they did it honorably, and Pam Grier is amazing Greer. in this film. Oh, Greer, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. Greer, and also uh, Robert Forster, I believe, is yeah. the yeah. Um, I forget his name in the film. Damn it. Um, but he, oh, Max, Max, he's just a great character too, and I think the dynamic mm-hmm. between those two individuals was just amazing. And Samuel L. Jackson is great too. Obviously, he's one of like Tarantino's obvious uh, picks for his movies, but. You know, um, and it was kind of weird seeing Robert De Niro in a Tarantino film, but it, it was it was it was a good time. He's honestly, and one I of think, my favorite parts of Jackie Brown. Like, I think that's in, in that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a great character in this movie because he's or really? they think that Tarantino wasted his talent because he's not De Niroing it up, you know, and he's just he's playing something I mean, very different. But yeah. I like that. I thought he had yeah, his exactly. De Niro that's moments not... where I, I always think De Niro has a very good way of like expressing frustration and like irritation and you know 
one of his oh, like, yeah. final scenes in the movie is him like yeah. literally boiling over <laughs> it's and just, just you know enough's <laughs> enough so i fucking yeah. love that part but i didn't actually yeah. know if, you know people were giving him you know shit about that so i don't yeah, think it, I was, know it was people giving tarantino shit for wasting de niro because they didn't think that de niro was utilized very well he was just kind of like what is he like above that shit or something well he know. was a bit of, i mean <laughs> again yeah well, it's a very I, subdued performance he's not doing yeah. a lot like he's not he doesn't have right. a lot of dialogue in comparison mm-hmm. to other things when, so. when did jackie brown come out um i'm sure like he was 97 yeah i think it was 97 yep 97 yeah so late 90s or yeah late late 90s but it was it was really great. Like I enjoyed it. I think it was like definitely Tarantino's least Tarantino esque movie. Um, it's his only I, adaptation, I, actually. Yeah. So that's probably. Um, right. I was just like watching, and I was like, "Damn, I, I forgot this is a Tarantino film." And but it was it was great. It was really really great, and um, my expectations were a little bit blown. You know, I I really enjoyed the soundtrack, obviously, and I also just liked what I got from the film. Uh, my personal message from all that and also just like it did feel like an homage to her older stuff because like you know this is a woman that's aging and she's you know holding on to this like shitty dead-end job and she really has nothing going for her she doesn't really have a man in her life and that's why the dynamic of max and uh pam greer's character is just so great i love the love aspect of it too and the action off of course too and I thought it was really awesome. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Um, 4.25 out of 5, for sure. Um, not my top 5 Tarantino film, but um, I feel like Tarantino rarely misses. So, yeah, it was, it was an awesome experience, I would say. Maybe awesome. not my favorite Tarantino film, but I do like that film a lot. I do know that film's yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. I just love the groove too. Like it's just so like seventies esque, and it has its charm to it. Obviously, I think it's just like one of his day. more mature films. To yeah, be that, exactly. Right. That's that's the best way to describe it. I would say, yeah, for sure. Um, Number five. Number five. Drunk Love with Adam Sandler. Amazing PTA film. First time watching it too. Is very short. Also another reason why I chose it. But ah. Uh, it was just odd enough to explain exactly what the hell was happening throughout the film. And it was awesome. It was just, you know, there were moments that were just kind of erratic. And, you know, Adam Sandler's character himself is erratic, but it explains new love very much so and how you feel internally. And I don't know. I thought Adam Sandler was great in this film, too. Um, I think that it was up there with his performance with Uncut Gems. I would probably prefer this one just because of the how this story is and it's about love obviously and PTA is just you know great at creating films like this um that kind of just make you wonder and think about you know what you get from it you know like you said Jeremy um I think the best way you describe his films is that he always asks the viewer to kind of just meet him halfway in in his films and I think he does that here and I think it's a little bit more straightforward from certain films that I've watched like Magnolia but mm-hmm. this one, um, it has its charm, and it was just a, a great film. It really was a great mm-hmm. film. But I enjoyed it, and it was a four and a half out of five. I love the soundtrack to that film. I, I love to just oh, let yeah. that soundtrack play. It's great. It's nice to just yeah. kind of listen to throughout the day. Yeah, I know. This movie is beautiful. I feel like it is. It is a weird to look at it as like this strange and beautiful deconstruction of uh, 
the Sandler rom-com, it's totally that to me. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, what if you applied the logic of a Sam- Sandler rom-com to a re- like more real world and how yeah. that would translate? You know, it's just like this beautiful girl who loves Adam Sandler for no apparent reason. Like, why would anybody <laughs> love Barry Egan? This guy has yeah. no really redeemable qualities other than he's just kind of likable. There's something about him, even though he's an absolute nut job. You know, he's an absolute <laughs> loose cannon um, in the in a lot of the ways that he's able to act like in his comedies. He's able to let loose here, but there, there's this context of like, oh, but he's actually a, a tortured soul. You know, he's yeah. like grown up with all these sisters that have made his life hell and he's got, he's very insecure and all this stuff. So it, it applies the real world logic to like a Sandler character mm-hmm. and then it still brings in this girl. It's like, well, they're not going to explain exactly why she loves him because the comedies don't do that either. How Sandler gets yeah. these girls that yeah. are like way out of his league, but it's mm-hmm. still exploring that pureness of love and the weirdness of it. You yeah. can't explain why two people are pulled together like that. My, the best scene to me, one of the best scenes, there's a lot, but it's the the one that really captures kind of, you know, that weirdness of love. The, mm-hmm. uh, the stuff you see behind, clo- you don't see because it's behind closed doors mm-hmm. is when they're like in bed, they're kissing in bed. And oh my they're God. They're talking about like, you hit it. I want to eat your face. I yeah. I want to like bite <laughs> your nose off and fucking, you know, yeah, they start yeah. getting more and more grotesque and they're totally not weirded out by it. They're just saying yeah. these things that are to an outsider is weird, but it totally makes sense, you know, when you're guys, in love. Yeah. So it, and, and mm-hmm. that's one of PTA's finer moments. That's just so accurately human. <laughs> I remember what he said. He was just like, um, your face is so soft. I just want to get a sledgehammer and just like crush it. And then like, she says something <laughs> grotesque to him. And it's just like, terms of endearment that only two people that are really in love can understand with one another mm-hmm. and you know you don't have to explain that and it's, it's really that's the entire film you can't explain love you can't explain the new love that you that that you experience and, mm-hmm. and i think it just works so well and especially the music like you said rich it's just it's so good it really sucks you in and like the kind of just the intensity of it especially when they talk in the office with his sister and um, the girl that he's trying to date so, um, yeah, it's, it's just an awesome film. Four and a half stars out of five for sure. Glad you loved yeah. it. I also yeah. actually didn't love this one the first time I saw it. I liked it, really, but I didn't mm. love it. Yeah. And a rewatch, I was like, oh, there it is. PTA, yeah. you've done it again. It's just awesome. The, honestly, my theory with PTA films is maybe with the exception of his debut film, Heart 8, which is good. It's really good. Four stars. Mm-hmm. I think you can rewatch all of them to the point where they're all fives eventually mm. at least for me yeah, yeah. i mean they're i ju- agree it's just inevitable because that's i think the quality. i have boogie nights at four and a half i should probably have that at five stars it's it's a perfect Same thing movie. with well, there will be blood well we've You're, talked about this. yeah yeah wondering yeah pretty much just yeah. if rewatchability does you know impact a film this is a uh, this is a director where it absolutely matters yeah. a lot right right mm-hmm. it's not even just like what i rewatch it it's like you should because you have to <laughs> yeah i mean there, there's just certain things it just the, everything's improved things reveal themselves uh mm-hmm. and you're also you're growing you're as a person so you're yeah able to take with what you saw the first time and then apply a new lens on that um but yeah all righty, I think that does it then. Should we uh, send us out then, yeah. yeah? Yeah, let's send ourselves out. That'll do it for this week. Don't forget, you guys can follow us on Letterboxd. My name is Raymond. 
my handle is R-A-Y-A-M-P-A-R-O. All right, guys. That'll do it for this week. I knew it. For I knew there was a silence for a reason, man. I wasn't falling for this. Couldn't help himself. You don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> Thank you for putting uh, that yeah, on my... the soundboard. <laughs> Finally, yeah, right. We've, I've been waiting for that one for a while. Yeah, it's been it's been due. I hope our listeners end. hear that and they're like, "Where's that from?" I don't know that reference. Just so. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Just so we could play it again. You don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you don't know what I'm talking about at all. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And my name is Jeremy. You can follow me at Space Cowboy, S P A C E D C O W B O Y. My name's Richard. You can follow me at Letterboxd at Dick Visco, D I C K V I S C O. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 8 of the Real Deep Cuts podcast. Today we'll be drinking to forget the disco dud, Roller Town. After that, we'll begin our new three-part game series called Green Light. We'll be pitching right. each other. Who was that? Yeah, I heard that. What the fuck was that? <laughs> that was Rich. <laughs> that was not me. That was fucking you, Ray. I didn't get anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>